you got all the other shows to break down the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll get into it. But right now, we're certainly getting into a big week in Aggie basketball, or Aggie athletics, I should say. Um, softball team dominating over the weekend. They'll continue. Top uh, five matchup coming up this weekend. You got Aggie hoops taking care of business against LSU. A decisive victory. Yeah, got a little somewhat interesting in the second half. That game was decided long before. And Aggie baseball getting started this weekend against uh, Seattle U. How about that? So uh, a lot to get into here on Tex Ags Radio. Presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is the Go Hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. And I'm joined by my two-star co-host, and I'm also a two-star, Olin Buchanan. We're saying that because Travis Kelsey apparently was a two-star coming out, and he's one of the best tight ends we've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I was just looking at it that Kelsey was a two-star, Nick Bolton, who Almost had two touchdowns. Almost, yeah. Uh, was I, a three-star. I kind of thought that second one was a fumble when I saw it on the replay. When I first saw it, I thought it was a drop. When I saw the replay, I'm like, you have to make a move with your foot, right. I and, guess. And to me, that, that's I'm getting off track already, but that, that's why the NFL gets so crazy yeah. is because he caught the ball. I mean, there's no doubt that there was no – there was no uh, juggle. I mean, he caught the ball, and he was turning, and the guy yep. makes a really good play on defense. But, no, no, no. He didn't <clears> – <throat> yeah, he caught it, but he didn't take three steps. Right. Mr. Give me three steps. Give me three steps toward the – you know, and, and it should have – you know, he caught the ball. He did but catch the, the ball. the NFL throws so many rules to make – you know, any if we were playing football in the backyard, everybody would oh, yeah, he caught the ball. Right. So, well, all right, let's get, let's get to Aggie Hoops to start things off because the, uh, the thing about this, they did exactly what we called for on Friday. Get an early lead, step on their throats, and, and destroy their will. And they did that, 41-17 after the first half, uh, a decisive game, Wade Taylor doing what he does. In the second half, as in most basketball games, team make, teams make runs, and LSU went with a younger lineup who seemed to be a little hungrier, and they were hitting shots. They outscored A&M by 12. Did it really matter? I never felt worried. I didn't like that it got to eight points mm-hmm. at one point, and I'm like, okay. What was it, like maybe four minutes left in the game at that point? I didn't think they were going to lose by any stretch, but I didn't like it. Um, you know, some could say that Buzz probably used that as a teachable moment, right? To, all right, here we go. Team's making a run. How do we withstand? And it, it was, uh, was it Boots Radford who kind of uh, had the uh, left got a, hook? Got a three-point play. Yeah, hit the two, gets fouled, hits the free throw. Mm-hmm. And then Wade Taylor comes back the next time down and hits a three. And all of a sudden, no, okay, there was nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry and about. And then they start making – I think he made – maybe he got the three earlier, but they started making free throws. I think they made ten free throws, or maybe it was nine free throws, starting with uh, with uh, Tyrese Radford's yep. uh, and one. I think they made nine in a row down the last th- three minutes or something. NOB – here we are, the Aggies, the second-best team in the SEC record-wise, uh, on a weekend where we saw Arkansas fall, we saw Tennessee fall, we saw Kentucky fall. Uh, big big weekend for everything around Texas A&M. Alabama got pushed. Alabama, had, yeah. Uh, I think, to Auburn, yeah. Yeah, I think Auburn was shooting with, with 30 seconds or so to tie and maybe even take the lead. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, with, with A&M, even now uh, Joe uh, Lenardi – um, is even begrudgingly uh, announcing, you know, buying in on A and M. Says, okay, they're in the tournament. Um, but he has them still the as an eleven seed yeah. playing North Carolina in the playing game. I think if A and M 
wins their next two, I think then you thought you know, not only does that go out the window, you start saying, okay, now how high do you seed them? Yeah, you know, are they going to work themselves into a seven seed? Right? If they if they can go beat Arkansas and Missouri, I think that's the next two games. Yep. If they were to beat those two, that are you know pretty good teams, but you're very capable. You've already beaten Missouri once. You get Arkansas at home. You win those two, then you start saying, okay, how high do we seed these guys? Because uh, you know they've completely flipped the script. You also feel good about I don't want to say your chances against Tennessee, but Tennessee about a month ago felt like, man, there's two games on this schedule that I don't know if you're going to get. That's Alabama and Tennessee. And now Tennessee is falling back to earth. Yeah, they're struggling on offense. Um, I was looking at Tennessee's schedule, and, you know, they had the big win over Texas. Yeah. Okay. But after that, or other than that, you look at it and you think, where is where in their resume is better than A&M? They have the, here's the difference. They have the big win over Tennessee – I mean, over Texas. A&M hasn't – A&M had the losses to Wofford and the early losses where they didn't play well. But but if you just look at it as wins and losses overall, you start going, well, yeah, that guy yeah, that went over Texas yeah. is pretty good. But uh, I just don't see it. You know, so, um, look, I saw them last year against A&M when A&M was playing on the fourth day, but they looked like they were great. Um they have right right now their team their individuals are better than their team and i hope it stays that way until a&m plays them yep i hope so too unfortunately a&m seems to take on teams when they start getting hot again or they start figuring things out although kentucky i don't know they had a little blip where they figured things out and now they're starting to fall back to their own reality Uh, but a&m in a very good spot ob and they just got to take care of business they got to (laughs) continue winning these games um, and I think you're right. These next two, they don't determine everything, these next two. But I think the, if you win two out of the next three, let's just say, um, you put yourself with so much, um, I don't know, grace, if you will. They're, you're just in a much better position to where I think now you start being looked at as a team that's already in the tournament, not having to do stuff just how high. Well, I think you got a lot of quadrant one opportunities. Yep. And that changes everything You go if you go get those wins. Uh, so, yeah, just keep winning. And to do that, you might want to, say just keep counting on wade taylor who has played the best he's played maybe at a&m the last two games yeah if wade taylor i don't know what everybody else in the conference did so i may be speaking out of turn here if wade taylor's not the conference player of the week uh there should be an investigation he's averaged 22 and a half points over and and he's had 11 assists over the last two games and hitting threes Hitting threes again. As a matter of fact, he is uh he's had nine three pointers in the last two games. So five and four, does that sound right? Five and four. Five yeah. against uh, LSU, four against Auburn. He was four of ten. And remember, one of them looked like it was gonna be a uh backbreaker and yeah. then it spun it out. Spun out, yep. So I mean And this he, is on the heels of him actually struggling for a little he's bit. He's hitting five, yeah, he's hitting fifty percent at three point range the last two games. Yep, we'll take that. And yeah. You know, for a while, we, we made the commentary that, you know, it'd be nice to see Julius and Henry have big games together, right? <laughs> well, you could say almost the same thing about Boots and Wade. And, and Boots had a fine game, but they, he wasn't the offensive load that, that Wade was. But see, that's the thing that we've talked about, why there's, this team is so good, is, you know, they, you don't know who it's going to be. Right. It's, is it going to be 
Boots Radford going to go out and score 30 points? Or is it going to be Wade Taylor? Oh, maybe it's going to be Henry Coleman. Maybe it's going to be Julius. It's been Dexter. And now, you know, they're getting such good play off the bench from Anderson Garcia and and, uh, Solomon Washington. Yep. Yeah. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can text us on the AMB text line, 979-693-1150, AMB, a College Station branch of the Amarillo National Bank. We go behind the glass and say hello to Nick Savage. Nick, good morning, sir. Howdy, good morning, y'all. What's up? So I just got to ask, I guess, I know y'all are going to get into it in a little bit, a little more detail, but what do we think? Hold or no hold? Hold. It's absolutely hold. It's hold. Yeah. It's a, it's, I mean, it was a penalty. I, I wish it wasn't because I wanted to see, a, like, from a, um, what do you call it? selfishly like i wanted to see another drive in the game but it's a hold if it's a hold in the first minute it's a hold in the last minute yeah. Yeah. just don't hold the guy and he did it twice he did it twice yeah. and i know, wish they would have let it go right because i felt like it didn't but it doesn't matter it's a hold uh i'm glad they called it because you're yeah because yeah. i hate the eagles there you so, go. i'm sorry kenneth Rees, if you're somehow listening <laughs> two of the nicest i mean i mean just genuinely genuinely good, good people. people that I've ever met were former uh, Philadelphia Eagles offensive linemen. Didn't they riot last night? Probably. I saw Don't some, they always? They were rioting but, before the game started. They were flipping over cars and stuff. But so. Kenneth Reeves, who played guard here at Texas A&M, and uh, Jerry Sizemore, who played offensive tackle at Texas. Right. Two guys I met. And he, he was a first-round pick of the Eagles. Just... I mean, genuinely wonderful people. They played for the Eagles, so I'm sorry. I, you know, other than that, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I'm with you all the way, both those guys. Yeah. But I will never root for your team. And even if it was a bad call, which it wasn't, I'd say <laughs> it's on the Eagles. I don't care. It is what it is. What else, Nick? Anything? I'm just excited for opening day coming up Friday. Um, softball dominated the weekend like they should have. Put up, what, 24 runs or something like that yesterday, which is pretty insane. But, um, yeah, just excited for opening day coming up. It's, uh, you know, spring is here almost. Not it's still winter, but, you know, if baseball's starting, it's basically here. Yeah, let's uh, go to the News and Social Center. Kay Nagley is there and uh, softball dominating. We'll have Trisha Ford on the show tomorrow. Okay, what, uh, what kind of analysis or information can you provide? Yeah, so Trisha Ford era began with a 6-0 perfect run um, in the A&M Invitational over the weekend as the Aggies outscored their opponents 68-3 this weekend, including a 25-0 run rule victory yesterday over A&M Commerce. And then, like you said earlier, starting Thursday, the Aggies will be tested this weekend as they take on a grouping of ranked opponents. Uh, They will have number three, Oklahoma State, Number 15, Arizona. Number 18, UCF, USF, and Nebraska in the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational this weekend. So hopefully they can keep it going. Yeah, a, a 903 sends in. A little love for Aggie softball, 69 to 3 scoring on the weekend. Yeah, we, we actually opened the show with that, um, and we're closing the segment with it as well because uh, they dominated. And it's uh, good times. We're looking forward to having Trisha Ford on the show. Anything else, Kay? Yeah, uh, Anim women's basketball was edged out, unfortunately, in Sunday's 72-62 loss to Mississippi State. They will uh, continue road action on Thursday when they travel to Auburn for a 7 p.m. tip.
All right, I definitely got some more basketball stuff to get into, but when we come back, I know OB was writing notes on Super Bowl commercials, halftime performances, and the national anthem. So we're going to talk a little bit about those moments in the game and the game itself, plus uh, get into more Aggie hoops. But right now we're talking Millican Reserve, farm-to-table community in College Station. Um, they've got homes, they've got trails, they've got wide-open spaces, and their mission is to build a healthy community around nature. 2,600 acres of open space and farms. They got 30 miles of trails and they got homes out there. And uh, we've got some Texas that live in that area that love it. I go, I don't live there, but I certainly do go. We get our veggies there very often. It's a, a great place to uh, connect with your family and to nature and to each other. It's got an extensive network of trails throughout a wooded landscape, throughout uh, a great area with walking and equestrian paths, creeks and ponds. They've got uh, all the native species that find their homes there. Preserve woods, ponds and creeks, plentiful white-tailed deer, songbirds, rabbits and turtles. And also homeowners at Millican Reserve share a legacy in conservation, which means generation after generation, you come home back to that pristine countryside. It is Millican Reserve. You can find out more information at MillicanReserve.com. Again, MillicanReserve.com. And we're back. Tex-Hags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Who's this? That's Leonard Skinner. Leonard. That's three steps. Give me three steps. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Good old Leonard Skinner. Uh, Even we, Kate Nagley's enjoying that over there. Is she? You can't I see am. it, but she's jamming. They don't care about my dancing. They only care about Kennedy's dancing. So, Nick. Kennedy uh, was a little <laughs> rude on Twitter last night. We'll, may, she was may, having a good old time. Maybe we'll have to, you know, <laughs> give her some demerits. Uh, we are in the Rollo Insurance <laughs> Studio. It is the Go Hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. Maroon never looked so good with Maroon U. So, I think Kay should hear it. Listen to this. We got to talk about that amazing musical performance we saw yesterday that stole the show. Chris Stapleton was incredible with the national anthem. I thought so. Um, what I enjoyed about it, uh, beyond his singing, he's is, just cool, is that it was uh, a great rendition of the national anthem. It took about two minutes. And to me, that tells me. That Chris Stapleton, of course, he wants to do a really, you know, a, a good job at it. Right. You know? But it tells me that, at least for Chris Stapleton, it seemed like his performance was about doing the national anthem well and not, hey, look at me. I want to take as right. much time as I can so I can get all the airtime. Right. It was just, I'm going to sing the national anthem. I'm going to sing it well. I'm going to sing it with respect. Yep. I, I thought he did a great job. I thought he was great. Um, and I'm, I'm a. Stapleton fan. I know most people associate me with the uh, the rap and Latino genre, but I do like Stapleton quite a bit. Uh, he was just cool. He was I thought cool. he was as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. That's my jam, but that's everybody's jam. Everybody loves that song. Any uh, Super Bowl ads that caught your attention, Ob? Uh, not really. I thought uh, Irma liked the one, uh, the Dunkin' Donuts with uh, with Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, working yeah, yeah. And, and I said, yeah, that was, was all right. That was all right, especially the way it ends with his wife. Okay, that was. But I don't think there was one that I went, wow, man, that's really memorable. I did, wrote, go ahead. Did y'all freak out at the Tubi ad where it was I like it was, acting like it was changing I could tell the channel? Because the uh, Kevin Burkhalter, whatever his name is, uh, uh -huh. he's really good, by the way. I didn't mean that rudely. And um, Greg Olson, they had a different suit on. So I was like, that's not. Oh, you you were like, well, I've seen the suits. I know it's fake. Wow. And, and, you were and also, I felt like the, um, if you watch it, like the, it wasn't as clear and as popping visually as like the it HD. It would normally and, be. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, but I mean, I know it caught a lot of people. There was all of, did you see that one? The 2B one? Where it looks like you're, it, they're leaving the, uh, the show. It as, looks like someone changed the channel basically. Mm, yeah. You Ta don't care. 
I, I probably did, but you know, maybe I was kind of by then, you know, zoned out. Zoned out. My favorite was the trailer for the movie The Flash. Didn't see it. It showed Michael Keaton as Batman again. Okay. okay. He's back. And Ben Affleck as Batman. That was pretty cool to see. And Supergirl. Why? I don't know. But it was cool to see that. No? So there's a movie coming out about The Flash? The Flash, yeah. He's going to break the, uh, what's it called? Uh, he's basically, it's based, no, never mind, I'm sound nerdy. But he goes back in time to save his mom. It causes a ripple effects with the universes and, and what happened. Butterfly effect. Yeah. It's, um, because he runs so fast backwards or something the, like Superman did. Makes the earth start spinning back yeah, the other yeah. way. It's going to be good. It's going to be pretty good. Yeah, Actually, I'll, I don't know. I'm not a big I'll, Ezra probably, Miller fan. I'll probably, I'll probably miss it. Yeah, you really? Yeah. You don't, did you like Michael Keaton as Batman back 40 years ago? Yeah, I thought Michael, that first Batman, yeah, as I recall, was that the Jack Nicholson as the Joker? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking that was pretty good. Yeah. So basically, this he goes back in time. Well, not back in time. He goes to a different universe of Warner Brothers, and it's in the Michael Keaton universe. Oh, okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I loved the Will Ferrell one with Netflix. Like he was doing all the little Netflix shows like for GM. Did you see that one? No, like I said, by then I was probably kind of zoned out. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> the segment's not going to go as planned. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I did. Like, Breaking Bad? Did you see I, that? I saw that. Breaking Good, I should say. That was good. Um, Puff Daddy Uber? I saw that. That one it was it was just David. I saw that one and I was like, "That's David's favorite one, no, right there." It was that's that was my thoughts. I thought it was funny. I, I'm not a huge Puff Daddy guy, but I, it was it was alright. The perfect one for uh, David is if they would just get all the Batman's to rap. Yeah, you're right. That'd probably be really good. <laughs> I don't think Michael Keaton could jump or, or or Bad Bunny is Batman. It'd be no. Bat Bunny. He needs to be the bad guy. He needs to be the Riddler. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't fit the Batman persona. The Bradley Cooper with his mom one was cool. Well, that was cool. Yeah, I saw that one behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, the Pepsi with Steve Martin, I liked a lot. I actually thought that that was good. Didn't see it. Don't remember it. No. How about the game? How about the field? That's the game. You watched the game? Absolutely. I was intrigued by the game. The field? Were you intrigued by that? Uh, that was to me. That was. Um, that was disappointing. You would think that the NFL would make sure that the playing surface was in tip-top condition for the biggest game. Yeah. Um, so there was somebody who did a report on the groundskeeper the morning of. And I, th- I think they – forgive me if my information is a little off, but let's just say they paid him $800,000 to do that yesterday. And apparently he's like a legendary groundskeeper. His name's the Sodfather. That's what he calls, and everyone's like, Sodfather's not so, good. Well, the Sodfather yeah. was not good yesterday. Well, it was, obviously it was Sodfather Part 3. Hmm. That was good. <laughs> that was well played. Uh, the, as for the game itself, I love that we got pretty elite quarterback play from both guys. Patrick Mahomes didn't do anything in the first half because of the way the Eagles dominated the time of possession. But he certainly came in the second half and earned his MVP. Well, uh, you know, they did get a touchdown. Two touchdowns, right? In the first half, I believe they only had one offensive touchdown because it was right, the defensive right, the touchdown. Defense. So they had a touchdown and they missed a field goal. Yes. Because um, uh, Kansas City scored on what? What was it? Something like 
six of eight possessions or something like that. Yeah, and every, every of possession of the second half, I believe. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was. But you're like, uh, in fact, I thought Andy Reid. I was frustrated with him because when when he kicked the field goal on fourth and three and Sirianni or whatever he says his name, he's going for it on fourth down all the time. Yep. And I'm thinking, uh, but that one time he punted, it cost him. Well, he was backed up in his own end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the the thing about it did cost him though. <laughs> Kansas City legit played complimentary football. They got a defensive touchdown, mm-hmm. almost two, almost two. Almost Could have been, should have been. They've got great special teams, right? They did. Other than missing a field goal, but mm-hmm. that return, and they got offensive football. What you expect from Patrick Mahomes and company? You're not gonna, you're not gonna beat a team that almost scores a touchdown on a special teams touchdown and gets a defensive touchdown with the league MVP. You're just not gonna beat them like that. And it was a close game. You're not going to win those games if they're getting that. It, well, it's going to be really tough, right? Yeah. Uh, everything else has to go perfect for you. And it almost did. Uh, Jalen Hurts was outstanding. He had one mistake. But other than that, outstanding. Man, he was outstanding. Um, I bet How many teams are kicking themselves thinking, you know, we could have had him in the first round and let the Eagles get him in the second. They got him in the second, yeah. How about Pacheco? I thought he was huge. You know, he's one of those guys that you – I bet you that 90% of football fans that don't follow Kansas City couldn't have told you who the starting running back Mm -hmm. for uh, Kansas City was. Man, that guy, he played hard. He ran hard every play. Yeah, he he was really good. He played excellent in that game. Uh, And and it makes you – what's his name? Uh, Tyreek. The Hill? Yeah, Ty, Ty Hill. Sorry, yeah. Um, yes. It makes you forget that he, like, could you imagine him with this offense? It didn't matter because of the quarterback play of uh, uh, of Patrick Mahomes. And the way, really, that offense just worked. That offensive line The matched. offensive line was, was outstanding. I mean, um, isn't one of the big strong points of, of Philadelphia's pass mm-hmm. rush? I don't think Mahomes got sacked. I'm trying to remember. Um, he might have. Mm. I don't. I don't. He may have meant, but I don't remember him. And now, in fact, I don't remember how many times he was really under that heavy of pressure. There were times he was, but of course, one time he ran away from it for about twenty six yards. That was that was the difference in the game, right? That was the that and you know the penalty the we penalty. were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that was that was some beautiful stuff. We're gonna in the next segment, by the way, do the turning point, and uh, we'll do it for the basketball game. Uh, A&M LSU. But I, I think as we're talking about the turning point, those are the two turning points in the Super Bowl, right? The I mean, you can point at the defensive touchdown earlier because without that, Kansas City has to play the game differently. But they were so good on offense, it didn't matter in the second half. They really were. Pat Mahomes, I mean, White House Wildcat, East Texas guy, I wouldn't expect less. All right, let's do this. Let's hit a break. When we come back, we'll do the turning point for A&M uh, versus LSU basketball. And look, it was a blowout initially, so you could point at the first half, but there were some points in the second half that I think really put the dagger in that performance, and we'll get OB's thoughts on that as well. Right now, we're talking QC Kinetics. Uh, everyone is talking about regenerative medicine right now. Um, seriously, it is, is helping lots of folks in the area and around the country um, because people who have joint pain are getting real lasting relief without drugs or without surgery. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in this exciting treatment. They use highly concentrated healing agents from your own body to restore and repair damaged joint tissue. So if you've got all this joint pain that's been ongoing and it gets worse, certain days it's a little bit better, but it gets worse, 
you have arthritis, you've got injuries out there, you need to call QC Kinetics. Um, and don't think that just steroids are going to take care of it, right? That's just a, a Band-Aid on the situation. Um, and it's not your only option. Times have changed, and regenerative mes- medicine can get you moving once again with the key being no downtime. So you're back at it. Like you go, and you're back at it here momentarily. Stop taking the pain meds and discover the remarkable alternative that pro athletes have been using for a number of years out there. Thanks to QC Kinetics, this amazing treatment option is now available for folks just like you and like me uh, who are sick and tired of joint pain. Don't put this off any longer. Spring is coming. You want to enjoy all this life has to offer. Call QC Kinetics now and get a free consultation with a local medical professional. That number is 979-452-6000. QC Kinetics, 979-452-6000. That is 979-452-6000. She does have some hits. It's so good, David. You can't deny it. I never said she wasn't good. I never said she wasn't good. Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It's the Go Hour, presented by Warehouse at uh, Warehouse of CC Creations. Maroon never looks so good with Maroon U. OB, look, I know it should be your playlist during this, but uh, Sean at the Mothership decided to hijack the, the the playlist and put a Rihanna song. I may have requested that. Okay, let me let me just say <laughs> this about Rihanna because we had the whole thing on Friday. We're not going to revisit it. Just she is awesome. She's very talented. She makes great music, um, but I think. For instance, this this will be one that most of our audience gets, but not Kay. Goodfellas, Spider, right? Yeah. Spider got sick of being like the guy you made fun of, right? Like you right. got sick of being the number two or three guy. Like he was trying to come up in the mafia ranks. I don't, shine, you know, he didn't say I don't shine shoes no more. That's Joe Pesci. But right. regardless, you understand what I mean. I think of Rihanna as a complimentary singer because when I was in that world of listening to a lot of music, she was always like the guest on the album. But she she's obviously a global superstar, so. Um, and she has a lot of great songs. No, well, um, I have to take your word for it. Uh, and, and you know what I don't get is why do people get mad if you don't like a certain artist or genre? Okay, it's not my thing. Oh, well, you're an idiot or whatever. I saw somebody, right. some lady on Twitter yesterday said she didn't like uh, Chris Stapleton and she got attacked. I'm like, you know, well, I like Chris Stapleton. You don't have to like them or like I, I like them a lot. I, I I could not. I mean, I know a couple of titles of Rihanna songs, but only from doing Sporkles. Yeah, uh, I can tell you if it came on the radio. Oh, here's a Rihanna song. So, but why? You know, so, can, can I wonder if you was listening to my music? If you would know if a uh, uh, Waylon Jennings song came on, I probably wouldn't know. But I'm not going to complain, right? Like. Well, you, yeah, it's yeah, damn it, right, it's Waylon Jennings. No, but I mean, I, I know Waylon Jennings, but my point is, like, especially the halftime show, people love to complain. That's what they do. Doesn't matter what genre it is, it's just going to, people just want to dump on it. I thought Prince was a great halftime show. The Rolling Stones way back when was a great halftime show. It's not my thing, but I have to admit, I thought Lady Gaga put on a great halftime show. I don't know if you saw her recently on social media. Don't Google oh, Lady Gaga. Oh, she's Gaga. crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to say this. I'm just saying that show. Yeah, what's good? I left the house to go to the store at halftime. I got back. My wife was appalled because apparently Rihanna placed her hand certain places that you know she didn't think that that, that she should do in that on that stage with yeah at that time with kids watching and things like that that there should be a certain. It's not like you're putting on your own personal concert. Where, right, you know, where you have to be 18, 21 to get in. Right. It's just kids. Like, I was watching that with my kids. 
Um, let's go to the news and social center because Kay Nagley's got a couple text messages for us, and then we need to get into the turning point of A&M hoops versus LSU. I do have text. So from Dave and Edmund, or I could say negative Dave and Edmund. Yeah, we've renamed him <laughs> because everything he does is negative. There's is never it? like a positive text. Oh, come on. It's, no, there, there has been two or three. No, he, he texted one positive. So he, but, he's, but he, he's a there, 90 to 10 split. Yeah, we'll go with that. So he said, I would have thought Nuno already bought his tickets to the Jordan worshipping movie about the worst basketball shoe ever made. See how uh, you can't just like let it be. the. By the way, can I do a humble brag? Yeah, go ahead. There's a chance. I say a chance because I hasn't been I haven't been invited yet. But there's a chance I fly to Chicago to interview Affleck and Matt Damon on this little movie circuit tour that I used to do back in the day. Mm-hmm. That I'm back in now um, for this movie. So hmm. I'm not gonna trash that movie right now. I'm gonna get that trip first. Um, I, look, I got it. If if it was a, a again a, 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 a something involving rap or something involving. Um, uh, Batman. So, are you are you a big Nike guy too? Is that? Is that uh, I mean, I wouldn't I say. I mean, I wear Jordans. I wouldn't say. Okay. Uh, okay I, I, just, I I think the did it I miss is, or forget something? It is probably the most influential shoe in the history of fashion, right? Like the Air Jordans have, for what forty years, been what kids and entertainers have tried. I mean, they rock them, you know. And there's been other companies like the Yeezys that came out. You know, not that long ago, not that popular anymore, but um, people try to mimic what the what the Jordan brand did. It is still the top of the top, I'm regardless of what you think as a basketball shoe. It's still a fashionable. It is okay. Am I right here? Kids still wear the Jordans, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do they still get beat up and mugged for their shoes? Uh, I'm sure they do. So I'm mean, more of a hush puppies kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not too sure. Ob, <laughs> back in the day, because you you had some street cred. Did you ever wear a starter jacket? No. A what? Starter. I, I you never know, did. Are you not familiar with the a starter jacket? Starter jacket? Yeah. Never did. This no. up Google now. that. Google okay. that. Yeah. I had the Oakland A starter jacket, the University of Miami starter jacket. I didn't have an Oakland A's one. I mean, excuse me, A and M one. I did have A's and I had an Oilers one. Yeah. Good times. All right, uh, Ob. Let's talk about the turning point. I think we agree that probably the turning point into realizing, all right, it's really not going to become a game anymore was the Tyrese Radford. I think they had just hit a three. LSU had just hit a three. Radford comes back, hits the two, gets fouled, hits the free throw. So it went from 11 to eight, back to 11 within seconds. Now we're talking the first half, right? Second half. No, no, I'm talking about the end of the game. Oh, yeah, that was with uh, three minutes and 36 seconds to go. Yeah. Yeah, they got within eight, makes the shot, gets fouled, and, and then all of a sudden it's a 10-point lead with three and a half minutes to go. And you're like, mm, yeah, I think they've uh, – I think they've withstood this LSU rally, or maybe it was. I thought, I wonder if A&M, to a certain degree, when you got a huge lead, they were up by 29 at one point Yep. Uh, late in the first half. And I wonder if they're like, ah, we got this on ice. And then you don't play as intense. You might, don't probably don't mean to not let off the gas a little bit, but I think it's human nature. It's absolutely human nature. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for a coach – those are teachable moments, right? Like, how do you grind through? Because a lot of times when you're up by, when they were up by whatever it was, 35 on South Carolina, you knew South Carolina was not getting back in the game. There was no chance they were going to get back in the game. The Missouri game, they did get back into it. They took the lead. And the, did they take the lead? Am I right about that? Did they? I thought they or, got within four. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. They got it within four. And then it ballooned again, right? right? And then this past week, 
like uh, this past weekend, LSU makes their run, and they, you know, there's a couple times they were flirting to get it close, and then A and M would extend. Then when they got it to eight, it caught our attention. Like, okay, they're gonna win, but by how much? Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, now it's under double figures. Let's stop messing around. And if you uh, need a basket, who are you going to go to? I don't care that Wade Taylor's having this great game. If you need a basket, let's get the ball into Tyrese Radford's hands. So he goes and gets you the 11-point lead. They cut it down to 10 on a free throw. And then it's Wade Taylor fouled. I think he made four free throws in a row. And then, again, A&M made four more. Yep. down the stretch, and so, but I, th- I think you're right. I think once uh, Boots hit that three point play and got it back up to eleven, it was that big exhale. Say, okay, because now it's a free throw game at that point. Yeah, because you know that um, you know LSU is going to have to start fouling down double figures, and A and M, you know, they're a smart team. Hey, if the other team's going to foul, make sure that Wade Taylor has the ball. Yep. Because I think Wade Taylor at the free throw line is even more a layup than a layup. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, you're 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 right. This is one thing I wanted to and I'll probably bring up with Logan later on this week, but one thing that I've really noticed is beyond Dexter Dennis defense ability. When he presses the guy with the ball and you know, they'll do the back and forth to the other guard and he goes and one of the things that I'm so impressed with, it, it does not allow a team to get into rhythm offensively until there's like 17 seconds left on the shot clock, sometimes later than that, because he it just gives them a hard time coming up, and he does that so well, just kind of slowing down the opponent's offense. And when LSU started feeling, started getting some baskets, he'd come in and just slow down the game. He had a really big game. Oh, he's always, he's so good. And it doesn't have to, it's one of those things that Buzz talks about that doesn't show up in the you know, in the stats. Right. But uh, just for what you're talking about, the way he affects your opponent on the defensive end, um, he's he he's not the only reason they play such good defense and they suffocate their opponent so often, especially in the first half, but he is maybe the primary reason. I wonder, and I don't know this, and they, they might, but I'm I'm unaware of it. I wonder if – if shot clock violations are a stat. Right. Because if they are, I can't imagine that A&M's not in like the top 50. Right. You know, and it's because, like you just said, a guy like Dexter Dennis and all of them, but they get a team out of their rhythm, and then by the time they have to start kind of regrouping and trying to trying to do what they want to do, it's late in the shot clock, and then that defense gets even more intense. And A&M does get a lot of shot clock violations. They do. All right, let's hit a break here. We'll come back with some text messages and around Aggieland. And programming update, Schloss will be joining us at 9.05. We will have uh, Buzz Williams at 9.45, so a coach's hour ahead. And, of course, Billy Lucci will be joining us, um, hopefully during Buzz and throughout the rest of the show. That and much, much more here on Texags. Right now we're talking about Heritage Films. That is uh, a great way to have a documentary done about your family or your family business or just be uh, an eye in the sky in a family event. Chance McLean is the uh, founder of Heritage Films, and it was a company that kind of was developed because of a favor for a friend. His good friend Michael Berry's father was falling ill, and he's like, hey, man, I want to capture his story before it's too late. And, uh, you know, I know you have background in film. Can you do this story for us? So Chance went, and he did it, and he loved it. And then Michael started talking about it on his radio show in Houston, and it became a big thing, and people started calling Chance. He's like, you know what? 
I like doing this. And this is a true story. Those of you who've done business with Chance know this. He becomes your friend. And it's not, it's not like a fake friend. Like he is genuinely like very interested in your story, in your life. And some of his best friends are like 90 years old because he does a lot of those. A lot of those stories. He did it for my pops and he is uh, just awesome. The website is yourheritagefilm.com, yourheritagefilm.com, the phone number, 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. Now, this song you can play all day. Yeah, you really can. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like this song. Okay. I'm, I love this song. All right, just wanted to make sure that you're <laughs> in the circle of trust I, still. I don't know a single soul that I agree with OB that doesn't like this song. It's you know, just... I think George Jones originally recru- uh, recorded it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. With very much a, a, a acid country <laughs> right? take to it. Well, this Not is... this bluesy version. Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is the Go Hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. News alert, uh, Jim Schlossnagel is here at Texax. We'll have him here on the show. He's out there in the lobby just chilling out and going to be joining us here in person. Love when he can join us. Uh, Bronny should be here with us as well to talk about that. All right, now it is time for Around Aggieland, presented by Normandy State Bank. Normandy State Bank, rock solid banking, the website, normandystatebank.com. Kay Nagley. I like the, uh, the intro. You always make it interesting. So as y'all were talking about earlier, um, basketball got a win on the road over LSU, but they do have a huge home game coming up on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. So I'm sure we all want to see Reed Arena packed. So go ahead and head to Reed Arena on Wednesday. And then, as I said earlier, women's beat bas- those, those pesky those Arkansas, Arkansas Razorbacks. Pigs. Hey, Pigs. this is a, a <laughs> swine. This is a needed win, right? Like needed. I'm not, they're all needed. I don't dig huge. on swine. I'm like Jules Winfield. She has no idea what that is. That flew way Pulp over fiction. my head. Pulp Fiction. I, I don't dig on swine. Were you surprised I knew that one, or you, that one? You eh, I thought you would probably know that one. I should they, know that one. Yeah. There, there's drug use and murder in that one. So, <laughs> so you Plus, think yeah. I like drug use and murder? <laughs> you like uh, <laughs> the Sopranos? Oh and yeah, true. Breaking Bad. And <laughs> that went off the rails. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Kay. I hijacked your segment. The Joker. <laughs> You're good. I like. I like when you hijack it. <laughs> and then women's basketball lost 72-62 against Mississippi State. They will have on the road again to face Auburn. As I said earlier, the Trisha Ford era started with a perfect 6-0 run, outscoring their opponents 68-3 this past weekend. They will be tested as they face a couple of ranked opponents in the Tax Water Clear Tax Act Clearwater Invitational. And then OB's favorite, Equestrian. I thought they were taxing water now. Right. <laughs> they tax everything. Tax. <laughs> tax. There you go. I needed the needed the sound. I always imagine the sound in my head before I say equestrian. It's just ingrained. <laughs> the number three Texas A&M equestrian team defeated number six South Carolina uh, eleven to eight on Saturday. So good job for them. Yeah. Congratulations. And then track and field. Lamara Dustin and Yushan Pereira both made history by equaling school records at the Texas A&M men and women's track and field teams as they finished the day at the Tiger Paw Invitational. And then the number three women's tennis team fell in a semifinal battle at the ITA National Team Indoor Championships to number two, North Carolina, on Sunday. But I believe they beat somebody really big on Saturday. Do you have that information? I can grab it real fast, but I believe this is like they made it as far as they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They had a big win on Saturday as well. So um, congratulations to them. All right, OB, so... We've got Wednesday Arkansas game. I mentioned a moment ago that look, they're all important, but even in it, 
with Arkansas would be great um, because they're a team that could potentially catch you, right? How many games back are they? Three? I don't. I, I think they're quite a fit, quite a ways back right now. I have it right here. Let's see. Arkansas is six and six. Oh yeah, so, they're, they're so a ways back. Yeah, but it's still going to be. I mean, that would be considered a huge win. Uh, I don't know if it's quadrant one or quadrant two, but um, you know, you're at home. Yep. And you've got all this momentum going. Like I said, even uh, Lenardi's even finally coming around, putting you in the tournament. Um, keep playing well. And, and quite frankly, look, they were down four with four minutes to go at Arkansas despite all the travel issues. Uh, now you're at home. I think Arkansas has the freshman point guard supposed to be so hot. He's back. But, you know, just go out and, and, and beat Arkansas just because it's fun to beat Arkansas. Yeah. Um, somebody just sent in this text. I'm going to read this out loud. This is from Mike in Deer Park. He says, did you know this? And it's a, a screenshot of Pat Mahomes Sr. Um, that he was born in Bryan, Texas, according to Wikipedia. Didn't know that. Is that true? Probably. I, I actually once wrote a big feature about uh, Pat Mahomes Sr. When he was, was uh, it with the Rangers. No, when he was pitching for the Lindell Eagles. He struck out my dad in high school. I I, I can believe that. He struck out a lot of people. I mean, averaged 30 points a game and played quarterback, too. Averaged 30 points a game in, in basketball. OB, thank you, sir. You bet. Great hour. Appreciate that. Kay, you stick around. When we come back here on Texags Radio, Ryan Broniger wearing sleeves and Jim Schlossnagel going to be joining us. Aggie baseball starts this weekend. Uh, Friday. Night. Yeah, let's go. Seattle U. Let's talk about it. That and your text messages on the AMB text line. We'll talk to you in a bit. It's Texags Radio. All right, we're back. Texags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Baseball time. Seattle U coming in this weekend, getting started. It's going to be fun. Bronny's with me to uh, start off the hour. Jim Schlossnagel in studio with us. Coach, how are you? Doing well. Good to be here. Yeah, man. We're, we're excited to have you. So it gets real, right, real quick. Uh, just uh, your, your emotions, your feelings as we get to, what, four days away from starting five days away. Yeah, just... I think our team's really ready to play. There's no doubt about that, especially it's an older group of guys. Uh, I felt like after the first two weeks of spring practice, it's my job to get the horses to the gate feeling great, you know, about themselves and feeling their bodies and all that kind of stuff. So we're ready to go. Um, just praying for some good weather and make it to Friday. I'm really interested to see how you manage. Obviously, the guys coming back, they're going to get their at-bats, but having gone out there and watched all inner squads so much, like, is there a plan to manage the at-bats of Caden Kent, Kaysen Wells, some of these guys, Tab Tracy, that have really kind of surged uh, to get ready for the spring? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I don't know that there's a defined plan, but you know that we, we have to get those guys enough at-bats to, number one, continue to develop them, uh, but also have them ready, you know, when there's an injury, which there usually is, mm -hmm. um, but to also develop our program. So the challenge in that is – Every at-bat you give one person, you give somebody else one less. And we only play four games a week with the exception of one week where we have five. So, um, And you got, got to win the games. Right. And not that playing those guys gives us any less chance of winning the games. Um, but those, you know, when pe people always say, well, in the, the midweek games, you can let these guys play. Well, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that in general because I, I don't want Austin Bose going five days without game at-bats, mm -hmm. right? Um, or Brett Minnick sitting out for four or five days and not seeing live pitching. So <clears throat> we'll manage our way through it. It always seems to work itself out. Uh, when, every Wednesday uh, we have simulated games um, with, for the pitchers that haven't pitched and for the 
position players that need at bats and we treat those we chart them we video them mm-hmm. uh, and we try to make those as competitive as possible but uh, but there's but you're right I mean that at least to start the season after the first nine or ten guys that 11th 12th position player you know we're going to be looking for opportunities to get them in there um, uh, at, at you know, depending on the matchups and and on each individual day well yeah I think to going back to last season like Jordan Thompson was that guy he was probably your 11th position player going into the year and what a huge role he played. And then you go out there, and if, if people have been going to watch y'all scrimmage, you've, I've noticed Ryan Targotch bouncing around to multiple different positions. Kind of what is your expectation for him on defense? Is he Can he play anywhere just about? And will he be a spell guy? Yeah, he'll be a guy that, that we, if, if your previous question, if there's some sort of rotation, you know, where, okay, th- one day a week he's going to play second base. One yeah. day a week he may play first base. Um Third, you know, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Targot's is a guy that he's going to be DH and he's going to be playing it. And I can see Caden being, being a part of that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then on the mound, man, I, I'm so – it's so crazy to watch the evolution in one year of the pitching staff since you've been here. The floor is much higher. Is the, Are there guys that have really produced over the last couple of weeks that have forced their way into innings this spring? I would say um, – I always want to call him Carson Palmer, but it's, <laughs> La- it's Lambert, you know, because he came from SC. Literally, it comes in my mind all the time, getting old. <clears throat> but I would say, uh, you know, Lambert for sure has mm-hmm. – he's really earned the right to pitch. I mean, Lampkin, which we've talked – you and I have talked about many, many times. Wyatt Tucker's made a big jump. Um, he's a guy that, you know, we'll see how the other guys throw. He's a guy that I can see, especially when we have the fifth game a week, mm-hmm. getting a start unless we've used him before then. But he's really come on, has been a more consistent strike thrower. Uh, Sadeo, for sure. Hogan's pitching way better now than he did this time last year. Uh, velocity is ticked up just a little bit, which is not that big a deal for him. It's more about just getting his fastball over the plate because he's a breaking ball pitcher, so mm-hmm. just to keep people off his breaking ball. So, yeah, there, there are some guys, um, but we have to go play the games. And, and the, you know, the, the starting pitchers will be on shorter – Pitch counts, um, especially Detmer, uh, on Friday night. So there's going to be innings, innings to be had, right? And as as we get deeper into the season, depending on how the starting pitchers do, then there's fewer innings to be had. And so we'll see how how the guys perform. The guys that pitch the best pitch the most. Period. Yep. Well, in Saturday, <clears throat> out there, and it was a pretty good crowd. I thought after mm-hmm. the alumni game, and what a great weekend. The event on, on Saturday night was awesome. I know Hutch takes kind of the reins on that, and he did such a great job. But if they're out there watching Saturday. Chris Cortez kind of got roughed up, as you can, with this lineup that you're going to put on the field. But just your overall thoughts on Chris's progression and getting ready for the season to, to enter that Saturday Saturday role. I think he's progressed great. you know. And just because he's progressed doesn't mean he's not going to have a, a bad day. Right. Right. And, and I told him, I said, listen, you don't need to feel bad about that for two seconds. There's going to be times during the year where you have a bad day. Every Detmer's going to have a bad day. And in those days, it's my job to go take the ball out of their hand mm-hmm. and move to the next guy. And what you saw on Saturday is I'm not going to take the ball out of his hand. We're going to roll the inning because we're trying to get him to 75, 80 pitches. Mm-hmm. And so he's ready to go do that next weekend. Um, but his progression is great. He threw, you, know, you were there. He threw some really good change-ups for strikes, threw some really good breaking balls for strikes, but he didn't throw enough. And against our lineup, if you're not going to fill the strike zone up, we're not swinging. Yeah. And then the compounding effect of, the, of those at-bats – then leads to, oh, you finally make a bad pitch? 
and then it gets hit for extra bases, right? So you, you're going to get bloodied against this lineup. Yeah. If, if you fill the strike zone up with good pitches, good pitching beats good hitting every day. But if you're not going to fill the strike zone up, uh, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, you got anything? Yeah, I was going to ask about Brent Mendick. He's brought him up several times how much size and strength he's he's put on. Have you seen difference in his play because of it? 100%. Um, number one, he's just moving better. So plays that, you know, he's making plays in the outfield that uh, that he didn't make for us last year because he literally couldn't move. Um, and I think you'll see that one, Bronny and I talked about this in the game the other day, is outfield defense is going to be a little bit, you know, everybody out there is at least as good as last year, if not better or faster. Um, now, like I also told him, I'd take Dylan Rock back with the 19 homers. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's moving well. He's staying on the baseball. Um, again, it's against our pitchers. Uh, sometimes there's a – well, not sometimes. There's a fact that there's a comfort level with, for the hitters with our pitching because they see them every day. Right. Right? And the, there is – you can – they know the scouting report. They know what they're – they know what pitches they can hit and what pitches they can lay off. So when you play an opponent, you don't have that level of comfort in knowing the other team's pitcher. So um, let's wait and see how it goes. But Brett's doing a good job of, you know, most of his, all of his extra base hits, I think with the exception of one, have been the left field. And so when you start, I think the other day, we probably had six or seven or eight what extra base hits that were hit to the opposite field. Uh, uh, Tr- Chestnut hitting a homer to right field. Uh, Warner hitting a ground rule double to right field. Jace, of course, hits them all over the place. But um, but when you see that kind of staying on the baseball, really makes it tough for a pitcher. What have your conversations been in the lead up to the season with Jace Lavalette? Because he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. I had Mike Early in here to do our preseason interview, and he said, like, just the physical nature of him – and his natural kind of ability to get the ball in the air because he hits it so hard, when he hits it, the ball goes out of the ballpark. So, like, managing his talent, his expectation level with what's about to hit him in the face in this conference and, and playing a, a college baseball season, how's that gone? It's gone great. You know, I think, uh, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of conversation <laughs> with him because the game itself has told him. There's days like yesterday where I think he had three hits, uh, three or four hits, and then there's days he's punched out three times. And that's, we're going to have to ride that, you know, and you ride that with any, you, you ride out the slumps of your most talented players most, most of the time. So um, there may be days where we give him a day off or something like that. But for the most part, you know, he's going to be a typical freshman that is going to show you flashes of brilliance. Um, but in this conference, I mean, there have been guys, Dylan Cruz at LSU, Jace is certainly capable of going out and being a all-conference player as a freshman. But um, it's there's going to be it's going to be a learning process and we're going to have to ride through some things. So, you know, um, Babe Ruth died a long time ago. So let's, we need to temper the expectation and just let him be a good young player and develop. And the Sunday starter role, have you decided on that? Are you ready to make an announcement on that, or is it still kind of between Wanting Lampkin, or there's some guys vying for it? You know, I would say <clears throat> I haven't fully decided, but. It's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be some combination of Detmer, Cortez, and Wansing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin has certainly des- deserves the right to start, to start a game. More than likely, that would be the first midweek game mm-hmm. of the year. Um, but what order that goes in, haven't really decided yet. want to see how they feel uh, after the weekend, but um, those would probably be the four starters. Yeah. What does last year's success do for this year's team? And I know each year's its own unique opportunities and challenges, but just knowing – that the core group did that and the pressure of doing it this year? 
I don't think there's any pressure. I think great players, especially our group, they run toward expectation, not away from it. And so um, I think the experience gives you confidence, but it doesn't, you can't assume anything, right? The past never equals the future one way or the other. If it did, Mississippi State would have been back in Omaha last year. So, um, so many things, you know, uh, in, in this conference, health determines everything. If we, if somebody, hey, if you could have one thing the whole season, what would you want? Healthy players. If our guys stay healthy, I love them to death. They're an awesome group of dudes. Um, they're fun to be around every single day. They work their rear ends off. They're big and strong and they're experienced. Just want them to be healthy. And if they're healthy, then, you know, the baseball gods will take care of everything else. Um, so I don't, you know, this, this is a program that we should be in those conversations, you know, most of, most of the years, unless you have some big fall off because of the draft or something like that. But, um, but no, they're, they're not afraid of that. They're, they're ready to go. I, I can't let you get out of here without talking about just the catching position and kind of where that's at. And I mean, what an incredible impression Max Coffers made coming in as a 17 year old. Really? I've never seen anything like it. I mean, number one, I've never had a guy graduate early, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I know you guys have had Claunch on here and, and you and I have talked about it. His mentality alone, regardless of what happens on the baseball field is so impressive. And I think it's, you know, he's been away from home for two years, you know, living in, in Florida, going to, going to IMG, and he's coming into the perfect group of guys to help somebody transition. When you, you have all those older players that can put their arm around them, including the other cat, you know, even though Bard and Gregson are new, but they're still older players. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys work together. They're going to have, you know, only one can play at a time. Um, Max will certainly be a part of that, but so will the other two. Hank's, Hank's made massive strides as a defender. Um, he can really stay on the baseball as a left-handed hitter. And they, they all bring something different. J.D., uh, you know, he's a tooled out. He's like a Logan Britt. Like, if he just touches the ball, kind of like Jace, if he just touches it, it's 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, but he's got to command the strike zone better. He's an elite defender. Um, so we're going to need all three of them. Jim, I, I got to ask you about the vibe around campus because you got basketball playing great. You you talked about stopping by softball just to, and you guys are starting here on Friday. Yeah, excited and just um, obviously I love I'm a it's I'm a huge college basketball fan. So um, Wednesday will probably be the last game I get to go to against Arkansas. Um, but that's you know at a, at a place like this you have champions all over the place and and high level commitment to excellence in every sport and so. You know, winning breeds winning across an entire athletic department. I've been around it at TCU, um, and we obviously have that here in spades, so it's exciting. Thank you for coming by, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're looking forward to Friday. Uh, I'll be there. Yep, I I bet you will. (laughs) At least to start. I'm always there at the start of the game. All right, we'll hit a break here. We'll come back. It's Tech Radio. All right, we're back. Tech Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. A little follow-up to uh, our conversation with Coach Schlossnagel here. Bronny's still with us in studio. We'll have a little bit of a segment here, then we'll hit a break. We'll come back uh, at 945, a little bit later on in the hour, with Buzz Williams. So a lot of coach talk here in this first hour. You got a date today? Do I have a date? Yeah. With my banker. Oh, do you really? No, I'm kidding. No, well, you're dressed like you're about to go to a meeting with a banker. Every, every once in a while, like, instead of wearing a T-shirt. Did and Dalton like, get you on this? No. Because Dalton's doing this thing now where he, he says, once a week, I want to wear nice clothes and comb my hair. Well, I comb my hair every day. And I think I've said it on this show many times. I feel like sometimes we have to act like we're a TV show. Sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes we got to act like so a TV show. So this is ABC 13, David. 
no, this is a shirt that Elizabeth got me for Christmas that I hadn't worn yet. And I'm like, all right, I'll just wear That's it. That's it. You hear that, Kay? That was two months ago. No, no, no. She said, I bought you this shirt for Christmas and you haven't worn it yet. Didn't say, mention a word. Okay. Didn't, not even. Not I even, thought she. Uh, I don't even know if she knows that she got me this, to be guilted honest. Guilted you. Oh, she doesn't know. No, I don't Christmas even know. Bronnie, maybe you should partake in the in the dress up. I think we should have on. like a Monday dress up day from now on. Like everybody wears. I like, don't agree with that. Why? Because I'm on Mondays. Yeah, you exactly. do it on a Tuesday where I'm not coming on. No, I'm fine but, with it. Okay, how about we do it on Wednesdays? No, I'm coming on. Current country. Come Formal on, version. We should like all like. I'm not saying tuxedo. What about recruiting country, dressed up as country boys? I'll do that. I don't know about like the clothes the, for it. That's what I'm saying. Like you have a dress shirt. Yes, you do. Right, but you need like cu- some cut off sleeves, not the ones that are hemmed. You know, that you wear to the gym. I don't have... Oh, I do that. But yeah, see? I, how many times have you seen me wear a, a sleeveless shirt? Once? I've probably worn more than you, but mine are cut off, right? Lou, Louis says we talk fitness all the time on the show, so... Okay. Is he, does he make decisions on what he gets, does? He uh, does, he does. But, so... I don't think I, I wasn't wear talking about fitness either. I was talking about attire. Well, but sleeveless shirt only at the gym. Okay. And that was like once. Did you, were you even there that day? I don't know, but we need to get you a trucker hat, a cowboy hat. I'm in. All right, and then you wear rapper clothes. Have you ever did? We'll do that. Well, hold on, that's not country. No, we'll we'll switch roles. That's fine. Whatever. Have you ever uh, dipped snuff? Never. No. No. Chewed tobacco? No. Okay. God no. Never had a. Cigarette. I haven't eat. I haven't either. Like I, I chewed one time when I was in high school during baseball. I didn't like it, so I never dipped or anything. But I was just wondering. I I, I didn't know. You know. I haven't leaf. always been super health conscious, but I've never done that ever. Not even close. Okay, have you ever dipped? No. Okay. Do girls Absolutely do that? Absolutely not. Some yeah. do. No. I, there's people. I want to call, I'm not calling anybody out. I dated a girl in high school that when we broke up, she started dipping. What? That's not. Girls don't do that now. That's not a popular she thing. She's from to the do. country. From hey, what I know. All right, so. She got no city girl like Kay. I, it's. It is very hard to replicate, replicate the success that they had last year, baseball wise, right? But sitting here today on February the 13th, the day before Valentine's, right? How, how, like, how optimistic are you? I'm not saying go all the way to the end of the college world. I'm just saying, like, how good of a team does A&M have in your eyes today? Uh, I called Billy on Saturday night after going to the scrimmage and told him this. And you say it with understanding that a million things, there are a million things at stake here. Uh, and that could have influence on the outcome of the season. This Texas A&M baseball team is good enough to win the national championship. No doubt in my mind. What they did on Saturday, it was super, like, it was so good, man. They're super impressive. They've gotten so much better defensively. There's enough depth on the mound, and then obviously the lineup, the, the, the batting order is going to be as talented as any in the country. And they are good enough. Like, there's a threshold, right? To start last year, Ole Miss clearly was good enough to win the national championship. Where were they ranked preseason? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't know. Number one. They were, last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were ranked number one to start the year, right? And they, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm sure if you had an Ole Miss analyst on, they could tell you about some things that may have happened that caused them to, not to play to their potential. Yep. But they got into the postseason – and they were still that same talented team, and they figured it out and put it together. They won the national championship. So there's a talent threshold that you have to have to win a national championship. There's been some outliers to that, you know, Coastal Carolina. But if you go back and you look at College World Series champions, 
they're ex- supremely talented teams with a lot of players that will play a long time in professional baseball. That's what this team has. And they're veteran. They're accomplished. They're experienced. They're tough kids. We know they're tough kids. Um, he, We've kind of talked about on the show. I'm glad you brought up Brett Minnick with Coach Schlossnagel. Do you realize what he played through last year? Like, people don't – not only do they not play through that, they sit out entire seasons right. with what he had. He played every day with it. So, Ryan Targach played every day on a really bad heel-ankle situation. So, we know they're tough, right? We know they're selfless because go back and look what Austin Boast did last year, and now he's wearing the number 12, right? We, we know they're tough. Look what Trevor Werner went through last year and mm-hmm. bounced back. So – They've got it all. There's just you can never say, you can never predict. I think in college baseball that a team is going to win the national championship because look at Tennessee last year. How talented were they? The Arkansas team when they they went to the finals and they dropped the pop up in foul territory. And then Oregon State rallied and like so you can get all the way there and get the pop up you need to win the title and it it just so happens to be hit in an awkward area of the field, and you don't get anybody there to catch it, right? So, like, there's all kind of factors at play in the game of baseball. But when you're looking at teams that are good enough to win the national championship, Texas A&M will be on your list this year. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I'm glad you brought up um, that I brought up Brett Minnick because I didn't know about the speed part of it, like how much better his defense is going to be. He looks like a million bucks. You want to talk about – Weight room and gym talk on here. Brett Minnick could probably come in here and talk your ear off but based off what he's been through. And I am trying to get Jeremy McMillan in to do a preseason interview, the strength and conditioning coach. So he's bigger, but also much, faster. He's much bigger and much faster. Which doesn't always happen. Right. And he's hitting the ball out. He's hitting the ball all over the field. He had a home run on Saturday to the opposite field. He, he's a different player. And everybody on the coaching staff will tell you Brett Minnick's a different player than he was last year. And that's a good. That's why he came back, right? You know, so uh, you're you're hoping you get a, a better version of Brett because he's healthy. You're hoping you get a better version of Trevor because he's healthy. You know, uh, Trevor got hurt so early too. What was it like the third weekend? When it was, was it? in Frisco. In Frisco, wasn't that? Yeah, it was, was in Frisco it, was it, was last. Frisco or yeah. the week before that here. Well, oh, he had an oblique the first weekend, yeah. and then when he came back, it was Frisco, and that's when he broke his hamate bone. So yeah, just unfortunate there. Look, and a, a kid we haven't talked about enough is Hunter Haas. And I believe he's going to open the year as your starting shortstop and probably hit leadoff. He has been really, really impressive. His all-around game. Uh, we love what Cole Kaler did last year. And a nice graphic, Nick. If you're, I guess if you're watching this on TV. This is good TV yeah. graphic. But if you're listening on radio, that does nothing for you. Nick's got a uh, projected, projected lineup that I'd put out a, a few weeks ago, and I, I do think that what I have down is pretty close. Uh, it could be some it, little one or two changes. Right, right. and I, I think the catching position yeah. is really a question mark. Who's going to get the nod on opening night? I think the order, you know, they moved Jordan Thompson up because he's been so productive not only last year but even in the build-up to this year. Do you keep him in the nine-hole where he was so good? But to go back, Hunter Haas, he's right there at the top of the order at shortstop. He has been um, really just all around solid as solid and I'm trying to think of a comparison maybe to somebody else on campus that you're like hey you know maybe not the best player on the team but just really solid Dexter Dennis yeah you know solid solid. count on him right every every day and he's been that way and he's had to be because Caden Ken at shortstop is really pushing him behind him uh, to get on the field 
Competition the, breeds excellence. Right. The, the catching position, Coach mentioned it. All three of them are kind of still battling it out. I, I, they might go Max Coffer to open the season. I mean, that's how impressive that kid's been uh, with everything he's done. And that would be on a team full of veterans and so much experience, one of the bigger storylines so far has been the emergence of this 17-year-old kid who should be a senior in high school. And I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to play a lot. Jace is a guy that we talk about a lot because of his expectations and what he's been able to do. But I feel like he's sustained from all your practice reports. I mean, he, he has to be in the lineup because he's been that good. Yeah, he's going to play. He's going to start in left field. Where he hits in the order, I don't know. I know at one point they were, they've even talked about hitting Hunter Haas fourth because of his high contact rate and the ability of Werner, Moss, and Bose to get on base. But I think you're going to see a more traditional lineup with Haas at the top. And Jace, Jace is talented enough and skilled enough to, to be the cleanup hitter on this year's roster. I don't know that he'll start the season there. I imagine they're going to start him behind all those guys, kind of let him watch as much as he can, how these guys go about their processes in, in, in real games. But he has just been – he's been as advertised from a talent perspective, and he keeps getting better from a day-to-day player, college player perspective. And I don't think people understand, like, he's six foot six. he's 230 pounds, He's the third fastest guy on the team. He's an elite runner. He's an elite defender in the outfield. He's going to hit balls this year. Like People are going to come to the ballpark to watch Jace take batting practice. Like That's how impressive what he does in the batter's box is. But you have to understand, he's still a kid. And there's going to be some ups and downs and growing pains. But if he, as the season goes on and as he starts figuring this stuff out, you, know, you may, who knows, he, he may against some of these lower-level pitching come out of the gates – like but ball of fire. He's protected by the other guys he in the is. lineup, too. He is. And, and not only is he protected in the lineup, he's protected in the dugout in the clubhouse because they're going to pat him on the butt and say, hey, dude, we've been there. Yep. Just keep going. Trust your processes and keep going. Because literally, David, there's, there's a lot of guys on this team that could do that. But Jace is so talented that he could carry them to series wins in the SEC with his bat. Like, there's going to be weeks, I bet, there's going to be weeks where he hits – five or six homers in a week and has a five or six RBI game in that span where he wins the game for you because of his offensive production. Now, he also may have weeks where he doesn't sniff it and he's had some really tough trips to the plate and they've got scouting reports out on him and they're figuring him out and that's when they need everybody in the dugout to kind of pull him along and say, hey, you're okay, keep going. All right, we got to hit a break here. Thank you, Bronny. Yep. Appreciate you. Right now we're talking about the Association of Former Students who have been around for a long time, over 140 years. And uh, you know the Aggie Network. They take care of Aggies. That's what we do. And the Association of Former Students is the pioneer, the leader when it comes to all that because they give back to not only current students, former students, you name it. That's what they want to do. And they do it for you. Uh, that is why they've created IamTheWhy.com, which is a website with a collection of stories about Aggies, their time at A&M, their lens, their perspective, and everything that A&M means to them. It's a great place to go and just feel the heart of Aggieland and to see it and to feel it. IamTheWhy.com is the website, and you can upload your story as well. See these unique stories and these unique perspectives, and then tell the world about yours. You know, Tell about your time at A&M, some of the great stories and adventures you've gone through because of the Aggie Network, because of being an Aggie. The website is IamTheWhy.com. IamTheWhy.com, the association of former students. Tex Radio. 
presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. So we'll have Buzz on the show here momentarily. What? How blessed are we here on TechStack on Monday mornings to have both Schloss and Buzz uh, talking here on the 9 o'clock hour. Just uh, appointment listening throughout the rest of basketball and baseball season. Don't miss that. Schloss going to be joining us two days a week, by the way. He'll be joining us on Mondays and Thursdays. And the big shooter will be with us here on uh, a Thursday to t- uh, chit-chat with uh, Coach Schloss Nagel here. All right, uh, something I wanted to get into as we get closer to talking to Buzz Williams here in about, I don't know, seven minutes or so, is the fact that this A&M basketball team's got something that you can't teach that is, uh, it, it is pretty cool to see happen. I have never been a fan of teams that don't have go-to guys. And I know that A&M basketball has a go-to guy in boots, and last year, Q emerged, right? But I've never been a fan of, like, there should, like in my mind, it's always like, who's your guy you go to in crunch time? And I think this team has that in boots. Like, that is their go-to guy. But what it also has is the ability to have a guy that, let's say, boots is not having his best performance, right? And if that is the case, Ability for other people to step up and do what they do. So we saw that, you know, after Wade Taylor had struggled for the last couple of weeks, and he had really struggled shooting the ball and having some turnovers, he dominated. OB said he should win the SEC Offensive Player of the Week or Player of the Week. He should. I mean, those numbers were, were fantastic that he put up. What was it 22.5 points in the two games combined or 21.5? Whatever it was. The bottom line is Wade Taylor stepped up when he had to. And we've seen that throughout the year where if it's Julius Marble who will step up and lead the way when they take something out. And they'll also, you'll also see Henry Coleman step up when um, there is a, a game where they take out uh, Julius Marble because of foul trouble, or they take out Wade Taylor, or they take out Boots. Somebody on, in this lineup seems to step up, and that is a beautiful skill to have and something that I think should go a long way, especially in determining postseason success. Because when you get to the postseason, there's so much more film, and these guys, and I'm talking about SEC postseason. Look, let's just get ourselves in the tournament first, and where the SEC tournament doesn't really matter. You win a game, you move on, and, and whatever happens after that is great. But all that being said is, when they start taking things out of you, right? They start taking things out of your game. The ability to have somebody else deliver, and that's what this A&M team has. If you take Julius Marble out, it seems like Henry Coleman's going to step up and slide in. If you take out Boots Radford, it looks like Wade Taylor's going to come in. And by the way, the glue guys on this team, enough can't be said about them. So um, we will certainly talk about that. Chuck Martin on the A&B text line. Nuno, thanks for covering A&M Rugby. They had a big weekend. In fact, um, I'm going to get some details on their next game, but they keep shutting out opponents. So congratulations to uh, A&M Rugby. Right now we're talking about Fargo's Pit Barbecue. So I had a friend text the show a little while ago. And uh, he was telling us about his, uh, Al, excuse me, he was in town from Denton, and uh, he was in town for the soccer tournament, which we were at, and uh, they stopped by Fargo's. And they took the whole team to Fargo's because they heard it here on Texax. Fargo's is that good. you got to jump on it. Uh, the specials are great. The food is delicious. And uh, it's just a, it's been a, a place here, a staple in the Brazos Valley for a long, long time. People have been coming here because they know the food is great. Um, one of the top 50 barbecue joints in the entire world that according to Texas Monthly. Go check it out there in Bryan, 1701 South Texas Avenue in Bryan. The food is great, uh, and they have specials. They're closed today because they got to rest up and get ready, get that food pre- prepared for tomorrow. But I will tell you, tomorrow, the rib tips only offered on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I bet you the, uh, the soccer team that was in town took advantage of that. Once they're gone, they are gone. On Wednesday, uh, they've got great food as well, chopped beef on a baked potato. 
um, in the beef ribs as well. They're at 1701 South Texas Avenue in Bryan. Without a doubt, the best barbecue in town. That's your trademark because it's true. It is Fargo's. Apologies taking so long getting back. Billy and I were chatting, uh, getting ready for uh, this interview with Buzz Williams, the Aggie basketball Looking pretty good against LSU. Let's talk about that and uh, break it all down here on the program. It is Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. We go to the hotline. Buzz Williams with us. Buzz, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Hey, so, Buzz, when you have a an early lead the way you guys did against LSU, and we've seen several different ways, what kind of challenges come with that, especially in the second half after – having such a comfortable lead and what other teams try to do? Well, I think there's a lot of answers to that. I think it probably depends on where your team's at and what you're trying to do, where you're at during the season relative to that. Um, <clears throat> we were not very mature in how we handled. I think we were up 30 in the first half. And then um, maybe the last two and a half, three minutes, of the first half, I think they scored two baskets. And then the first 10-ish minutes, 12-ish minutes of the second half, they outscored us 19. Um, so we weren't very mature in how we handled that. Um, trying to play a little bit different minute, a little bit, um, relative to the next three weeks of the season. But for what we're trying to accomplish, we do have to mature on handling I think some of it is you're a little caught off guard uh, and then trying to have enough wisdom to go what's required of me in this moment regardless of the score. Buzz, what's up, man? Congratulations again. Uh, you guys, Thank you. Yeah, no, of course. And, and to look up and, and see that score, you're watching the game and, and it just – to go on the road and do that a couple times now in SEC play – and uh, your yeah. one SEC or your two SEC road loss is also competitive, and we know the circumstances around Arkansas, and we'll talk about that in a minute, getting them back at Reed. But yeah. you guys, to, to go on the road and, and handle business in the SEC that way, and I know, like you said, you, you let that lead get away in the second half a little bit, but what is it about the – what does it tell you about a team's – maturity and mindset to yeah to start the games like that because we yeah, saw it this weekend right. everywhere in the sec on the road uh you're ripe for an upset if you go in there as a as a heavy favorite it seems like yeah i think that um our staff luch has done a really good job of the adjustments required from our base foundation specific to that opponent yeah. And we count reps in our program. And depending upon when the games are, depends upon how many reps you get. And um, the leaders of our team uh, have asked me about three weeks ago, Coach, we're so much better when the game is our fourth rep. Okay. And I go, I agree. I said, uh, we watch, we write, we walk through the adjustments before our first rep. Then we have our first rep. Obviously, the next day is our second rep. Shoot-around is our third rep. And then the game is the fourth rep. But depending upon when our off day is, yeah. and is that week, are we playing Wednesday, Saturday, or Tuesday, Saturday, I thought it was really good uh, 
insight to our group that brought that to me. Coach, how can we get to four reps with the fourth rep being at the game time, no matter when we play? And I go, I got some ideas on it, but we'll have to alternate kind of how we go about it. And so we made that change. We're going into our third week of that. And I think the staff's ability to diagnose distinctly, hey, guys, this is what we're doing, and then explain this is why we're doing it. Let's watch it. Let's write it down. Let's walk through it. And that doesn't count as a rep. That's just so you understand why we're doing it. And now let's try to get to four reps. And our team has completely bought in. And, you know, like in the first half, and I don't want to coach anybody else's team, Yeah. but all the things that we were prepared for in the first half, we were executing at a very high level to the point that they quit doing it because we were just taking them out of their stuff. Yeah. And uh, that speaks to the concentration level and the execution level of our group. And uh, to, to my first response, yeah, okay, hey, Buzz, when you get up 30, uh, try to win by 40. Yes, yes, I understand, and we can talk about those things. Yeah, but not upset at all. I kind of agree with you. Hey, now can we talk about how you got up thirty? Yeah, it's insane. You don't want to lose the lead. Yes, I understand, but like, there's two sides of the coin, and I think uh, over the last two and a half weeks, our guys have really grown in traction in that regard. And so, like today, will be our first rep of. Arkansas, and so we've got to hurry up and get to four before game time on Wednesday night. Buzz, what is different with Wade these last couple of games? He had a little stretch where he was struggling. He certainly wasn't struggling this past week. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing that I would say on that, and I mentioned it to him in the first half during an ATO, and I thought Solo had some of that same growth and maturity in a different way. Um, They're as good as four was playing. He still played with great discipline relative to what was the time score momentum of the game. There were several times in the first half where he could have shot it, and statistically it would have the odds would have been he was going to make it because he was playing so well. But he he turned down what would have been a good shot and got us into offense and turned it into a great shot. And I think that's a delicate line with four. And I've talked about it publicly, and obviously I talk about it with him all the time one of my favorites ever, but it's a delicate line. Hey, four, you are, you have the ability to score in a myriad of ways. And sometimes we need you to take one that I would say is a bad shot at a coaching clinic, but we don't need (laughs) you to take two of those, but I need you to know when the one is that I need to look the other way, because that's kind of part of the line that he walks. And some of the same things, are true defensively for him, even though it doesn't always show up statistically. Like, he took that ball away from the kid right in front of their bench, and that was a reach. And you don't want your guys to reach. Typically, reaches lead to fouls and or blow-bys. But there's, it's, it's kind of like at DePaul. You know, he had four steals against DePaul, and three of the four were not what you would want at a coaching clinic, but he kind of has that line where he kind of has a feel for this is the one buzz. This is the one. And, and he gets more grace on that than any other player in our program. 
and our players recognize that, but they also agree. Like, yeah, for I can't shoot that one, but if you think that's the one you should shoot, you shoot it because Buzz is going to take me out if I shoot it. But, but like, that's a, that's a delicate line, and because Four is such a good human being, I think he walks that line with great humility. Buzz, I, I know how meticulous you are, you know, in, in really, and I think people realize this, but every aspect of your life, but I would imagine that is, mag, yeah, I mean, it's, you, you need to coach me up on that, you know that, but maybe tenfold, I would assume, when it comes to deciding who you're going to welcome into your program, a.k.a. recruiting. Um, is there anybody playing this year as we're about, what, three-quarters of the way through the regular season? Is there anybody that has even surprised you, that, that you've gotten more out of in, in 2022, 2023 than, than you expected when you brought him in? Yeah, I think Andy is sneaky good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the transfer portal has become such commonplace in coaching speak. The, the one thing that I've learned from it is <clears throat> no matter how good a player and no matter how good your program is or you feel as though you are as a coach, there's still an adjustment. And that adjustment period we've only ever talked about from a high school senior to a freshman. Yeah. Hey, it's a big adjustment. Yeah, but there's an adjustment. Hey, I was a great player at XYZ, and I'm coming to ABC, and I'm going to be a great player. And that could, that could be the truth, but there's an adjustment. There's an adjustment to the people. There's an adjustment to the mode of operation. There's a, an adjustment to the style of play. There's an adjustment to the pace at which you work. There's an adjustment to how do you study film. There's an adjustment to how do you do skill work. Like every uh, adjustment academically, adjustment to who you live with. Even though they're two to three years older, it's still an adjustment. And I think over the last three games, you could argue that what Andy has done uh, has been a needle mover for our program. And I think that Solo, since he came back from the concussion, I did not think he was good against Georgia. You could tell he was a little out of sorts. Mm-hmm. I know he played a few possessions the game before against Arkansas when we were having some trouble. But since Georgia, man, his impact has been really good. I, I, I thought he was as mature in front of his family as a college freshman playing in front of the home state team crowd. I thought he played with great aplomb. Like he was very mature in how he handled it. But uh, Andy and Solo as we've gotten into the second semester, they have really helped us in ways, whether it was foul trouble, whether it was, man, they're just playing really well. They're controlling the glass. Those, those guys, um, I think are one of us. They're OKGs. I think they accept that. They're very accepting of their role. Andy is the eighth most efficient player in the SEC and the top 25 players in the SEC are all starters. He's the only player in the top 25 in efficiency that comes off the bench. And if I told him he was starting, he wouldn't start. I'm not telling <laughs> him that, but like, he's very comfortable with his role. Yeah. Buzz, no, no time to even talk about the Super Bowl. I wanted to talk to you about Andy Reid and Mahomes and that national anthem. I study all of it. I Gosh. study all of it. And uh, that offensive coordinator from Philly who's getting a job with the Colts, 
you guys know Gus Bradley's my good friend, and yep. Uh, yep. I've studied him, and I think he's a star too. Okay, there you go. Both quarterbacks from Texas, East Texas, no Andy less, Reed, right? Andy Reid's going into his Andy Reid's going into year twenty-five in the NFL. That's crazy. Can you imagine that? He's going to. Got his job at 40, and he's going to be 65. I think he's wow. my favorite coach of my football-watching wow. life. Wow. And, and how about how about he fired the head coach of the Eagles six years ago? That's right. How about that? God. Five years ago. Hey, uh, Buzz. He fired him. Perseverance. Stick to it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. Right, we'll Buzz. see you on Thanks, Wednesday. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that, you. Yeah, Wednesday night, man. That's going to be fun. It's going to be crazy. I, right. I, did, I actually did not know that about the firing because I watched about half that game without volume, you know, with people. Yeah, we got to hit a break. We'll see you in a bit. It's Tex All right, we're back. Tex Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. By the way, Valentine's tomorrow. Good times there. Uh, they want you at David Gardner's to realize that you can show them how much you appreciate them, uh, your loved one, with a David Yerman design there at David Gardner's Jewelers. David Yerman Company began with a gift, a necklace, and David sculpted for his wife, Sybil. Today, the Yerman family creates signature collections that fuse artistic inspiration with uh, craftsmanship and American innovation. Find gifts that reflect your person's unique spirit from signature cable bracelets she'll cherish to sculptural pieces that showcase her individuality. Visit David Gardner's today and find Valentine's gifts they'll adore. All right, uh, Billy's with us here for the remainder of the program. Hello, Billy. David Nuno, I've got a list of things to discuss. You got a list? Let's I wrote go. them down. Can you send it to me so I know what they were discussing? No, we can go. I'll just go through them. I think you'll hit, you'll hit most of them. Okay. We'll hit most of them in, in a row. We'll see. All right. Um, what would you do yesterday? Um, watch the Super Bowl, obviously. Here? Far away? Here. Uh, I actually watched the first half with Slosh and that group and then went and watched the second half with some buddies over at um, – Shiner Park. It's good times. Um, worst part of the weekend is I bet squares, and me and my buddy went in together. I won't name him now out him on this, but we went in together. He was just like, do you want to get, you know, like eight of them or whatever. They were like, you know, whatever a piece times eight, and we'll share the winnings, and we'll each pay half. I said, okay, that sounds good. So instead of just four and four. So we're going to share. Calls me Saturday night, asks me if I want to do this. So Sunday, yesterday, he sends me the sheet, and I look at it. And, the, you know, the first thing you do is you start looking at the numbers. You're just It's the very first thing you do. Then I realize as I'm looking, boom, 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 boom. Okay. He signed his name just straight across the bottom, eight out of the ten squares across the bottom. You follow where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. We had – the same number for the Chiefs for every square. Eight of them. Whoop, right across. Taken off. Now, it's still not the way to do it, even if you get a good number, because you, you want more than one good number. You could get several good numbers and combinations, and you move it around. He goes straight across the bottom, and we draw a two. So I'm done. The only chance I've got is 42, 35, or something, 42, whatever, Eagles. Nobody scores two. Nobody scores 12. Nobody scores 22 or even 32, really. So I'm out before it starts because my friend, so I text him. I go, how drunk were you last night? He said, I'm pr- pretty drunk. Why? Pretty drunk. And I said, have you looked at the freaking? <laughs> so that's how, that's how it started. I did win a parlay of, I did Kelsey over like 
74 and a half receiving yards, which he got on his final catch, despite having like 60 on the first two drives. Right. He got that at the end. Um, the over, whatever it was, 50, whatever it was, blew past that. And Jalen Hurts over like 248 passing yards. So it was, a, it was a bet that the rare time that at halftime, I essentially had won a three-team parlay. Now, whatever I won, I gave back, and then some because I bet the Eagles. I bet the Eagles to win. Uh, and even got, it was just with a buddy, I got a straight, you know, no line. He gave me, he was that confident in the Chiefs, and uh, the confidence paid off there at the end. I mean, it, the game went about like I thought, maybe a little higher scoring. But, I mean, I thought that game was coming down to a final drive with either Mahomes or, or Hurts, or Hurts leading, yeah. it, leading for a game winner. I, I really did. I look. It was fun. It was a fun one. It was a penalty to, you know, that it was. Yeah. I wish it wasn't, but it was. I heard y'all this morning. I, look, it was, but, and I, I'm always like, hey, you call it on the last play like you do the first play. But how did you call the first play? Because if you're letting DBs get more physical on one Sunday versus another and that officiating crew and you're letting guys get handsy and physical, then you do that the whole game. So if you're going to tell me that there were no other I, – I know you're not going to tell me. We know there were that weren't seen. But, like, if there were other plays like that earlier in the game that you're not going to call, then don't call it at the end. I don't subscribe to the it's a penalty call it thing. It's kind of like basketball. If you're going to let them play let them for, play. for 36, 37 minutes, then let them play in the final three minutes. Swallow your whistle. If you're going to – Call everything ticky-tack the whole game, then keep that consistency. Don't let guys get mugged on a key possession in the sec, you know, down the stretch and, and swallow it and not call it. So just be consistent. So I thought they were letting the secondaries play pretty physical in that game in a good way. I wasn't complaining throughout the game. Yep. Um, but, yeah, to, to call that. Because it was over then. I thought, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I thought on the first touchdown pass, the, not the – yeah, the Hurts to A.J. Brown, I thought that might have been offensive P.I. And I thought it was a good decision not to call. It wasn't a lot, but I think it helped him get that, catch that touchdown pass. But I wouldn't have called that. I wouldn't have called that because it was so early. Like, that second part, the second where he had the hand on him, yeah. that's not a call. I don't think that should ever be a call. It, he called the first part. He did grab and kind of yeah, turn him on the jersey. But again, call it how you called the whole game. And I'm I was rooting for the Eagles there at the end because of the 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 bet. But I don't, I didn't really care who won it. In fact, just from a uh, who do I like standpoint, I I would have liked the Chiefs. I know Kelsey a little bit. I love Mahomes. I think Mahomes is an incredible quarterback story. He's a great dude, dude by yeah. every account imaginable. Um, and he's a le he cemented himself as a legend now. If he doesn't play another football game, he's an NFL legend. And he's only going to go, you know, I don't think like Tomas that you, you just chalk him up as Tom Brady. It's insane. <laughs> uh, because here's the deal. Mahomes gets banged up, okay? Unlike Brady, he takes, you know, he takes a lot of hits. He, you know, he does things with his legs, which sets you up for that. But the Brady-Belichick thing, we've just never seen it for that 
length of time. And then forget about the fact that he went over to Tampa Bay and, and did it. And did it. But it, Brady's longevity, his longevity with Belichick, like Buzz just said, Andy Reid's been coaching 25 years. This thing is not going to go another 15 with Mahomes no. and, and, and Reid. Um, the fact that the Patriots organization was able to do what they were able to do, it's not a five-year thing like the Chiefs have done, which is incredible. It might be. It's top. It's certainly top five on my list of what I've seen in, in my football watching life. You go that Cowboys dynasty yep. there in the early 90s, you go the Niners with Joe Montana, and then Steve, you almost separate those into two it's separate two different ones. Niners, The yeah. Joe Montana Niners dynasty. Um, obviously, the Patriots. Steelers in the 70s were before my time. So, I mean, that's, that's damn near it in football. It might be where the Chiefs are, are top three. Uh, they got to win one more to be in that Cowboys realm, so, so they're probably top four. But for it to last that long, the good news is it's an incredibly run organization. The ownership is committed. Andy Reid is, you know, he, you feel like he can coach as long as he wants. But those things just tend to break up. Uh, nobody has lasted long, as long as Tom Brady to play that long. So what is Mahomes' run at the top going to be? If it's 10 years, it's a pretty incredible run at the top. But if it's 10 years, he's like four years into that 10 already. If it's 12, 13, he's still not, it's still not Brady. And I just think you're not going to win nearly as many. I think Patrick Mahomes could go down as a top five quarterback of all time. He's on sure. his, he's like already he, on his He's way, on yeah. that track. I yeah. just don't think I think you need to just take Brady and separate him. Could he be better than Peyton? Uh Breeze? Who else? Brett Favre? Elway? I'll, yeah. Yeah. I think he's on but track to pass them. You see the stat line there. That does not tell his story because no. that is not an impressive stat line. So Tomas no. was texting me during the game and he said he's gonna blow up in the second half. And he, mm -hmm. it was interesting because at that point, I'm like, you know, this guy hasn't had great Super Bowls. They came out running the ball to start the second half. And I thought that really set the tone. That first drive to come out and they were running it. And, and you guys were talking about Pacheco. He was a stud. He was. I think a lot of people knew about Pacheco. If you've watched them at all, you know he's a beast. He just doesn't put up big numbers. But it's like he sets a tone and he seems to settle them down. And, and I think it, you know kind of prevented that Eagles pass rush mm -hmm. from running rampant and taking over the game, running roughshod. But, yeah, Mahomes played like a, like a Super Bowl MVP because of the timing of what he did and when he did it and how he did it. And, that, and then that, he had the one key play there in that run that, that essentially just – it was over when he did that. For all, they, they were one first down away, but it was essentially over when he did that. And he's just a surgeon out there, man. Yeah, he, he really is, and, and he just – it's so fun to watch him. It's so impressive to watch him work. But I'll tell you, the guy I was most impressed with yesterday was Jalen Hurts. Yep. I would have never thought when he was coming out of Channel View and A&M was recruiting him, uh, twice they recruited him. Uh, you guys can all thank uh, Tate Martell for the reason that, that uh, Jalen Hurts isn't here. Noel Mazzoni got the job and actually tried to go back in on him. He had a visit scheduled and canceled it that day. He was coming in that day, the weekend before signing day. 
and called and said in the true Jalen Hurts fashion, Coach, I, I, I can't I can't do it. I've been committed to Alabama too long. I feel like it'll only confuse things because he wanted to stay close to home. Yeah, he'd have been an Aggie one hundred percent. I was surprised that Bama offered him at that point in his high school career. I was surprised. I once tweeted that Alabama would never win a national title with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, and I believed it. And, in fact, they, they did, but they did because they had to bring Tua off the bench yep. to finish a game that he was struggling in. But what he did after Tua did that is where Jalen Hurts' career, in my opinion, began. He helped steer them past, uh, I think it was Georgia, in the SEC title game another year. Uh, he came in and led that dramatic rally. I know it was Georgia, but I think it was the SEC title game. So in his last year there, knowing he was going to transfer, then when he did it at OU and developed as a more polished passer, mm-hmm. the reason I didn't think they could win a championship with him is because I didn't think he could throw enough to, you know, to get past the Clemsons of the world, like to win two, three games like that that you had to with offense because the Bama defense was starting to give up points. I remember going to Kyle Field and A&M almost beat them because Hertz couldn't really complete passes. Right. They almost won with Trevor Knight and Christian Kirk. The first half, Hertz couldn't really do anything. Um, man, it's an incredible turnaround, and, and I think that was as good a losing QB effort as I've, I've ever seen. And that bulldozing, his ability on fourth and one, automatic. It's damn near like when's – I don't know the answer, and someone could tell me. I know it's had to have happened. Uh, I know it has happened. The last time a losing player in the Super Bowl won MVP, and I'm I'm not saying he should have been because Mahomes, what he did down the stretch, but he almost could have been that. Like it was just like if ever there were to be, you say, hey, that guy was the most valuable player in this game. It Mahomes deserved it. I'm not saying that, but Jalen Hurts was pretty phenomenal. If he doesn't have that fumble, though, they probably win. That's true. That is absolutely true. That fumble was, and and you didn't think it was devastating at the time. Such well, a defensive touchdown is pretty devastating. Like you said this morning, you give up a defensive touchdown and and a and a punt return uh, for that long, you're probably and so much so much A and M flavor in there too. Because I watched Kadarius Tony give A and M fits at Kyle Field a couple years ago, and obviously Mahomes at quarterback who A and M passed on I believe that was the Kyle Allen year and I get that you know like yeah, yeah. Kyle Allen's a five-star and, and is still playing in the NFL um it's just the mishandling internally that that costs you that but Mahomes being an East Texas kid uh Hurts being a Houston kid both guys at A&M essentially passed on for whatever reason and then Tony what he did here at Kyle and the A&M went over Florida and then Nick Bolton Scoop and score, okay. That was a guy. I retweeted something from a, a former A and M staffer, uh, Dave Shoemate, the other day, I last night. They recruited Bolton. He wanted to come. You know, he went to. Uh, he was committed, I think, to U Dub, and then ended up at Missouri and was an all all SEC player. But he was a guy from the DFW area that was just short and squatty, a little bit, a little shorter than you want, but dude could flat out ball. He could. And Chavis and them, they, they just couldn't quite go on him. And look what he, not just what he did in the NFL, look what he's done, what he did at Missouri. He was an absolute stud. I think a multi-year first-team All-SEC. And, and 
that goes to like you look at what A and M did this year in recruiting, really late. And I like the linebackers they took mm-hmm. there at the end. You find guys that can play football. You find a guy that can play linebacker, that can have 400 career tackles and flies around and finds the football. You got to do that sometimes. Sometimes playing linebacker means can they play linebacker? Not what do they look like? What do they test like? Not can they find a bunch of piles, but can they play linebacker? And Bolton was one of those guys. So that Super Bowl was – that was fun. And you know who I – Andy Reid's a freaking legend. Travis Kelsey may end up being the best tight end of all time. Yeah. Uh, funniest, not funniest, but thing about Travis Kelsey that blows my mind is that, you know, when, you, when I was talking to uh, Dan Campbell about him a few years ago, because Dan was with the Saints, he said, you know what I loved about him? Like, by far, he was a ridiculously good blocker. Outstanding blocker coming out of Cincinnati and when you do those workouts and stuff. Um, Andy Reid has just gotten the absolute most out of him, and it's almost involves like no blocking. But uh, point being, the guy, if you wanted him to be your quote-unquote traditional prototypical tight end, he could do that too. And a fun dude to party with in Vegas. I will yeah. say that too. Absolutely. Oh, he looks um, like fun. His crew's fun. His friends, they literally take a, like a party bus after every Chiefs game straight from the stadium. He's with them. And they go every Sunday. They got a real family vibe there in Kansas City, not just within the locker room, but the organization. You know, Dante Hall's at every – Yeah, he's always He was there. texting me this weekend. He's, he's like, are you here? He's, he's at not only every Chiefs Super Bowl, but he goes to the home games. He does. He posts pictures He's in the time. suite. Yeah. They welcome – you know, he's part of that family, uh, kind of a Chiefs legend. And they've got a real college feel from their – I've never been to a game there, and I really want to, but from their fan base on down. And by the way – uh. Ratings aside, I'm going to go on and discuss somebody that people hate and I've grown a new appreciation for. Stock up, Jackson Mahomes. This guy is so much in everyone's head. Look at Kay over there. She's losing it. He is so much in everyone's head with his TikTok and his on-field dancing and his antics in the suite. Have you seen the video? Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's cringeworthy. It's a 10 out of 10 with cringe. But the guy, as the brother of, of, a, of, a, of a legend, an NFL legendary quarterback, has created this niche industry for himself of just antagonizing the world and just pissing everyone and he's off okay with, it. with the snap of a finger or maybe a little dancing snap. He does like one of these and the whole world loses their mind. He, he's like some kind of social media puppet master at this point. And, and everyone falls for it every time. Every single time. Now, I don't time. think he's putting thought into it, and that's what he thinks he's doing, but he's doing it. And I've gotten to the point where I appreciate it because it's just funny to watch. And every blogger and everything from Barstool on down should appreciate it too because he provides content every time the Chiefs win or lose. And the fact that as people kept saying, he was, you know, the idea of Jackson Mahomes dancing on the Eagles' graves. It's bad enough that you lose and lose the way you do. But then here comes, here comes Jackson Mahomes to do a TikTok on the field to rub salt in the wound. And it's hilarious. Like what he did to the entire city of Philadelphia in like a 20 second TikTok 
is absolutely phenomenal. I don't care what anybody says. You it's it. incredible. Right. I wish I had the ability to do that to the Longhorn fan base. Maybe I should start doing weird dances on TikTok. We can make that move. happen. All right. We, we got to hit a break. We're seven minutes behind. Oh, well. Oh, well. It happens. Right now. Plain cry about it. We, Not you. Just people. Uh, I'll cry. Texags uh, now cry. talking Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 and Caldwell online at CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. The guy to my left got his car there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. I got mine. Dante Hall. We talked about him this segment already. Got his from Caldwell Country Chevrolet. R.C. Slocum gets his car, all his cars from Caldwell Country Chevrolet. That's how they roll there. Um, people love to go because of the great customer service and, of course, the great selection of vehicles. And uh, the, anything you want from a vehicle, they'll help you with the service side. They'll help you with the pricing. They'll help you with the trade-in. All top-notch over there. Zach Hester and his crew have done it for a long time. And they want to make sure that you know that that is a small-town dealer, but they're making big dreams come true when you go there to Caldwell Country Chevrolet. It is about a 15-minute drive, Brian Acawal, a short conversation away, but you're going to see the difference when you step on the lot and you do business with Zach and the fellas there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. It is on Highway 21 in Caldwell and online at caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. Look, I don't like to talk about the Texans, but they're making this offseason fun for me to talk about. Tex-Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. They hire an OC this weekend. I don't remember the dude's names, like Bob Slowick. Slowick. I was thinking Bob Slovak. Well, I tweeted at him, like, congratulations, Bobby (laughs) Slow. Those who don't know, ABC 13 anchor Bob Slovak. But, uh, and then, news that I had kind of hoped would happen, Gerard Johnson, quarterback coach. Awesome news. I mean, really cool, like, this his career is is now I now I will say off and running. You know he would tell you there's been a lot of work mm-hmm. to get there, and there certainly has been. I mean Gerard's done everything like St. Thomas High School, St. Thomas High School. The elite, you know he was really heavily involved in the Elite Eleven mm-hmm. and very passionate about that. I could tell you how many times Gerard has called to talk about a quarterback either A and M's recruiting or one that he watched and like, hey, is A and M in on this guy? You know, like he's just so. He's so passionate. He's so smart about, you know, anything, but especially football. So knowledgeable. There was a point, I, I can tell you how many times I've pushed him to go try out for The Voice. And I still think he should do it. If they come to Houston, he should be like the, how many times has an NFL assistant football coach been on The Voice? He should do that too. He could, he could probably, I know, he could get, I know he could get a chair turned. Problem is now he'd miss, he'd miss time. That's the show Trey was on, right? Trey Williams was on that. No, no. No? No. Uh, I guess America's got Oh, yeah, talent. you're right. You're right but you're right. Uh, anywho, Morgan Wallen was on The Voice. But I think he could, he could do that. He's, my point is he's so damn talented, but he's so smart. But it's especially football. It's a different kind of smart. You know, that, that just kind of you have that feel that some people don't. Um, he was that as a player. He's that as a coach. But the reason why, too, what, what Gerard does – if you sit with him, I know you've gotten to know him. He just asks a lot of questions, and in a good way. It's like I want to learn. I want to learn, and, and uh, I make fun of Hunter sometimes because he's Hunter the interrupter. <laughs> he won't let you like. But same thing. They ask a lot of questions, and when you do that, you get a lot of answers. And you, if you're asking questions to smart people, you're going to learn when you ask and listen. Ask and listen. We we could all take. Uh, pointers from people like mm-hmm. that, and and I think that's why Hunter's gotten to where he's gotten, and I think Gerard is only going to go up because of that. And and just surround yourself with 
smart people and better and better. You look at that Vikings offense. So this is the start of it. I mean, NFL QB's coach in your hometown city. It's pretty freaking awesome. Dude, didn't he have relationships with Bryce and C.J. Stroud? He's worked with them in the yeah, past, I think I saw. Yeah, 11 stuff. Yeah. And, and he, de- he deserves it. It's a great, it's a great uh, process. And look, you watch guys with A&M ties moving up and in, in coaching. You know, you got Dan Campbell and Dennis Allen as head coaches right now. You got guys like Aaron Glenn, who's probably one step from being a head coach in the NFL. You've got younger guys like Gerard, Michael Hodges, uh, and who I've heard good things about as well, moving up in the ranks of, of coaches. I'm I'm probably forgetting. Can a couple we claim of Zach Taylor as a somewhat of an A and M? Well, A and M ties, of yeah. course, of course. I mean he. He coached here. He he his coaching career essentially started here. Right. So yeah, I mean, and it's just it's been fun to watch. And I think none would be more fun outside of probably Dan than Drod for me. It's going back as long as we have, but you never know in the NFL. I say you know this is the first step of a long journey, but sometimes those journeys are are quicker than others. Yeah, you know if the Texans go and and have some real success and. You draft, they're going to draft one of those quarterbacks, and then if he gets a lot of credit for, for grooming them, I mean, those things happen fast in this league sometimes too. They don't ha- it doesn't have to be a slow climb. I mean, look at Dan. I think he went from essentially his starting off point to being a head coach in about a decade, and really to be an interim head coach like five years, maybe four, four years into that. So you never know. Another one to add, who's not an Aggie, but his father's an Aggie, Clint Kubiak going to the Texan staff as well as their run yeah. game coordinator. So the, yep. there's a little bit of that. Yeah, Clint, and that was, a, that was one I was going to say. When I started that, was Texans and, and the Kubiak connection to A&M, and, and they've been here as, as uh, you know, in some whatever you called them back then, GA or analyst or Yep. All right, let's hit a break. We'll come back, uh, a little Aggie basketball talk, and whatever else Billy wants to get into. Right now we're talking Costa Vida. Have you guys had the machaca yet? Hopefully you have. Try it out there. It's the breakfast taco. It's uh, sautéed jalapenos, onions, scrambled into eggs, and served with barbacoa-style beef. Delicious out there. You can get one or two of those, and you're going to be full. Trust me. It is very, very good there at Costa Vida. Holly has that on the menu. She brought it back because people wanted it, so she's all right, let's do it. And they got some other new items on there and some favorites back on the uh, breakfast menu. You can get breakfast there, you can get lunch there, you can get dinner there. All very good food. Last time we talked, I, I told you about the sweet pork quesadillas, but now I'm going to talk to you about the raspberry chipotle chicken salad, fresh from the patch berries, beautifully balanced with hints of smoky Southwest. Delicious out there. And uh, you can get all the drinks you want out there, agua fresca, you name it. They've got it all there. Uh, desserts, key lime pie, pie, tres leches, flan, cinnamon tortilla, Costa cookies. They got it all. So I've just told you every kind of Menu item you could want, they have it at Costa Vida. The quesadillas are my go-to. The tortilla soup is so, so good. It is Costa Vida. They're in South College Station. Fresh Mex done the right way. The kind of food that when you go, you're going to be like, I'm going to come back. Prices are phenomenal. Fresh. They make it for you right in front of you. It is Costa Vida in South College Station. Go check it out. We're back. So, look, obviously, we all paid attention to Aggie Hoops, the Super Bowl. But, Billy, you were paying attention to something else as well, right? Actually, I did Saturday. I went up a quick trip up to Fort Worth and went to uh, a gymnastics meet, Metroplex How'd Gymnastics, that go? college gymnastics. I'm going to tell you something. It was badass. Yeah. Like it was 
much more entertaining than I expected. You know, we all watch gymnastics in the Olympics, but I've been catching some of this stuff on the SEC on the SEC network. You know, and you look around the SEC, and and they're like Auburn, LSU, they're packing the house. You know, SUNY Lee at yeah. Auburn, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Livy Dunn at LSU, superstars. Florida's got a girl that's an absolute superstar. Places like Gainesville, Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, Auburn, packed houses. Brian Kelly's over there at LSU a couple weeks ago. Packed houses watching college gymnastics. It is a sport that's absolutely exploding. And a friend of mine, she's uh, grew up doing it, would actually participate in this meet for the young kids when she was younger the first time they did it and a friend of mine and aggie brian streeter puts it on every mm -hmm. year and uh invited us out there so we went and i'm gonna tell you it was ou who's like a dynasty um arkansas bama bama's an sec power. i think earlier in the week they upset auburn um utah who's a top five program and a couple stanford and a couple others but anyway some it was like a high end, highest end type of meet. I think maybe two Olympians, one or two, and then several like multiple girls that were alternates on the last Olympic team. Dude, that stuff, it's fast paced, the music. There was about eight thousand people there. The crowds mm -hmm. into it. That's a neutral site thing. Crowds into it. They just go like four rotations, the the floor, the beams, the vault, and the uneven bars. And that's it. Boom, boom, boom. Each of them about 20, 25 minutes. Place is going nuts. It's, and to athletically, you watch the Olympics. You watch gymnastics. You can name all the stars from your childhood. Sure. Can you name me three gymnasts? Mary Lou Retton. Um, the girl from Sugarland. What's her name? Uh, Tara Lipinski. Oh, yeah. No, she's a, she's a skater. Skater, sorry. Um, she's an ice skater. Uh, obviously, uh, Simone Biles. Simone Biles, who my daughter is like her, her idol. Simone Biles, Carrie Strug, Nastia Lukin, Bella Caroli was the guy. Ma Malone, not Maloney, Ma Mahoney. Matt it? Maloney? No, not Matt Maloney. Anyway, they're all, but yes, they're oh, all legends. Nadia Comaneci. Comaneci. So anyway, that sport is is exploding, and it was fun to watch. I'm telling you, if you ever get a chance. I think the national championships are up in Dallas or Fort Worth. Go watch it. And I see why it's so popular uh, throughout the SEC right now. And the crazy thing is so many of those girls at that meet were from Texas. Mm -hmm. They got nowhere to play. Nowhere to compete, perform. But, I mean, it, I think Texas, Florida, California, it's just like football. They're the gymnastics hotbeds in the country. So, fun little off weekend to do. Now we're back to basketball, Nuno. Yeah. Back to Reed Arena. Wednesday. I'm going from the Fort Worth Convention Center straight into Reed Arena Wednesday night against the Razorbacks. Time for a little revenge. Buzz and the Aggies continue what I refer to as the Tiger Slam Saturday. They smacked LSU around. They've got the Tiger Slam. They beat them not in the same sports year. I guess technically, however you want to view it, Basketball runs both, but they, they, well, I guess it's a new year. They smacked them around in baseball, two out of three in Baton yep. Rouge. They smacked them around in football, humiliated them at Kyle Field, 38-17. Don't forget that. 
you loud mouths in Baton Rouge. You got your ass handed to you the last time you saw A&M in football and three of the last five in case you'd forgotten. And then and they did they they've absolutely run him out of the gym in basketball twice now. Twice. They've humiliated him. And I love it. I freaking love it because even those that are covering LSU basketball right now, they're quiet. They were getting pretty chirpy during the offseason about how good that team was. That team's getting humiliated. And they got their asses handed to them at the PMAC this weekend. So now they're focusing on what Kim Mulkey and company is doing. And Joni Taylor, with one hand behind her back, almost got them here last time. So they've completed the Tiger Slam against LSU. Now what I think they're trying to do is complete the Tiger Slam on the hardwood which would be to go 6-0 and against Tigers, 2-0 against Auburn, 2-0 against LSU. They've beaten Missouri once, and they get a second shot. That one might, will probably be the most difficult yeah. of the six with the way Mizzou's playing and shoots at home. But imagine if you could go 6-0 and against those Tigers, and, and two of those teams are pretty damn good. Um, but in between, you Arkansas. got Arkansas. This is a... High, high magnitude two-game stretch here for the Aggies. It feels like they all are. Um, even LSU, who stinks, it was just such a high-pressure game to go on the road. You look around the SEC, you see how many upsets happen on the road. But, man, the Razorbacks right now coming in, they beat you. They've got their star freshman point guard back. They're coming off a home loss to, to Mississippi State. A&M owes them one. There is, I, don't think, I don't think there's any love loss between the two programs no. at all. They don't like each other. Reed Arena is going to be on freaking tilt, and it just keeps going like this, and the Aggies are going to need all of it. But if they can get that one and get to 11-2 and two in the league, I think then you start. Now you're talking about higher seed. Well, then you start talking about where are you seeded, and you start going, hey, just keep winning and see if Alabama can slip up once and you get them here to end the season. Who knows? A&M is probably not going to win every one of those games. But look at those games and tell me there's not one on there anymore that they can't win. Tennessee now Bama's obviously the toughest, but it's at home at the end of the year. But, but look at those next five. I don't think they go 5-0 and in those five. And I think if they went 3-2, and it would be really impressive. And yeah. they'd be absolutely locked in. With the way the SEC is going right now, too, I still think, I think 12-6 and gets you there. I don't think you want to mess with it. We learned our lesson last year. But if they beat Arkansas, they'll, you'll feel like they're right there ready to, to get, uh, ready to get 13 wins in the league. And by the way, right now, 13-5, and five, it's damn near a guarantee it'll get you no worse than a tie for second with Tennessee. That would be if you lost to Tennessee. Because I right. think Bama will beat Tennessee probably. That'll be the fifth loss for Tennessee. And – what Buzz said today, a little bit ago, is his team is better on that fourth look. Right? Yeah. Right? And yeah. they've already played them, and they played them with, obviously, a, a lot of circumstance with their travel. They, now they've started their, their preps for them. I want to see an A&M rested team that yeah. doesn't have to travel, playing the kind of basketball they've been playing, and now having different guys that can get you, if it's Wade, if it's mm -hmm. Boots, if it's Julius, if it's Henry. Like they're, they're all stepping up. Dexter doing what he's doing. And look, they've beaten they've beaten Auburn and LSU both a second time. Uh, they haven't got and they beat Florida a second time. This is the first time they're playing a team a second time that they lost to. So there there'll also be that factor in yeah. there. 
of, hey, how much is, not revenge, but how much is we owe these guys, you know, going to play in. And I certainly know it will with the crowd. It's going to be intense. We talk about atmospheres like Fayetteville. We talk about atmospheres like what Auburn's got going over there. Uh, I think this atmosphere that Arkansas is going to walk into on Wednesday night will be as, you know, we talk about Rupp Arena. Wednesday night at Reed Arena will be as tough an atmosphere as you're going to play in in the SEC this year. Yeah. Because it's been really good. This should be peak Reed Arena atmosphere. This should be the best one yet. It's a midweek. It's at 8 o'clock. You know, when they had Auburn, it was at 6, and it was still really good. This is an 8 o'clock midweek, and, and, and since you've played Auburn, people came into that gym. You've won two SEC games now. You're sitting there in the conference at, at uh, 10 and 2. So we said before Auburn, I mean before Georgia, after they lost to Arkansas, I said if they can win these next, these next three, four, three and one and these next four, they'd be in good shape. They have a chance to go 4 and 0 in that. Yeah. And, and it's a good chance. Not a guarantee. Arkansas is fighting for their lives now. But it's a good, they have a good chance to go 4-0 and in those games. And I wouldn't have thought that was, that was hard for any team to do. And, and they're playing their best ball of the season, Nuno. I can't get everything I want, but you're right. A, they are playing their best ball. Yep. I wanted, I'd rather Arkansas have won that game. Cause, you know, but then I'm thinking to myself, Tennessee, they just lost. So it is what it is. Hey, the, now all of a sudden, you go, if you go win at Mississippi State later in the year, that's a Pretty That's damn a big win. good win. Yeah. The big thing about LSU too, they've got those dang losses to Murray State and Wofford that just won't wash away in this sport. Which it's funny because they held certain things against A and M last year without it felt like weighing the ending, right. meaning the conference tournament, the same as they did. Oh, eight game losing streets. It's like the conference tournament didn't count as much. But now that Wofford loss, by the way they do these metrics, still lingers. You couldn't afford to lose at LSU. And now there's only one game on the schedule that like, would hurt you to lose. Right. You don't want to lose any of them. But you don't want to lose the ones that can hurt you. And you look at that schedule, and there's miss. certainly only one left out of the six that, that could even remotely hurt you. All right, we've got to hit a break. We'll come back. It's Tech Radio. Final segment of the program, thanks to all the texts on the A&B text line. It is Tech Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Did you see Richard earlier trying to get me off my game? I heard about it. Yes. Yeah. I heard about it. Uh, Have you, do you remember? You don't remember this song. If there's any listener that can remember this song, tell me. There was a song when I was a little kid. We'd come on in Houston on like 93Q or whatever. And it was called, like, My Head is Like a Football. Is the name of the song. I want to see one texture. My head is like that. A, remembers on ninety three Q when it was like John Lander. In yeah, the morning like zoo, like when it was Q pop. Zoo. What yeah. was that guy's name? John Mr. Lander. Leonard. Mr. Leonard. So Ken Q, Hoffman was on that Q show. Zoo. There's actually a tie-in to Tex Ags and me and and ninety three Q. Is that right? Yeah, we our roots are strongly planted. Uh, a family friend, almost relative. A distant relative, I guess, but family, close family friend, a guy by the name of Pete Schulte, who ran the, he was a, was, you know, owner, the Kuzu station man, whatever. He ran the show there. I think owned it. And uh, he started, was a big Notre Dame fan and the blue and gold. And he thought, you know, that when we purchased the maroon and white report from some people, uh, in Austin, Longhorns, actually, the Maroon and White Report, and when we purchased that, had ideas of it becoming like the 
blue and gold report someday. Yeah. And then Hunter and I bought it from him because the first couple of years it you know it didn't take off like that like like I think he had hoped and was paying me and somebody else was like double salaries. Uh, so we purchased it from him and then you know ended up joining up with Texag shortly after right. that revenue share and then we bought out the investors in Texags and then here we are. But yeah, 93Q. 93Q. Roots to that. But my head is like a football. Listen to that song. Let's see if anybody's It's kind of like Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer that same time period. Yeah. That, you know, there's some hey, um, song. we've got three minutes. Did you want to talk about the performances? Which ones? Huh. I mean, what do you, what do you oh, want? Stapleton, the, Rihanna? Or, I love Stapleton. He was Incre- great. He's always incredible. I yeah. mean, I've seen him several times. It's, it's it just, I mean, so much soul in his voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, you knew the anthem was going to be incredible, and yep. it did not disappoint. My expectations were here. He took it there. He, he does it. that every time. Anytime you see him, I think he's one of the most gifted singers that I, you know, I, I can't think of him anymore. And, and Rihanna, I don't know what people are saying. Everyone is just talking about is she pregnant or not. I mean, I think that I think was. They confirmed that she seemed, was. Okay, I was say it seemed pretty obvious. Um. I mean, I must have gotten 10 texts during it from my friends. Yeah, obviously. But she, I thought, you know, people want to nitpick. Okay, Prince, Whitney Houston, or you know, Whitney Houston's anthem versus Stapleton's. Prince is the bar, I think, for Super Bowl halftime shows. Rihanna did a, a badass job because you know why, to me, the dancing was fine. It was cool. Everything's well choreographed. I liked what it was. It wasn't too much. Some people didn't like my mom said, I don't know about all the the crotch grabbing right. and gyrations. Um, but what I liked is she did all her hits and she fit in a ton of them. She did more than I would yeah. have expected. And she actually, you know, she was you could tell she was excited. She performed. She, she was had into it. Swag. She had the swagger about her. She yeah. was back. Um I forgot how many I knew she had a lot of and it. she could have done that. Two times as many. Yeah. And had songs. I, I would have liked to have seen like Jay-Z come out or Drake for any of those. Um, but I also understand that was her moment. It's Super Bowl I'm glad time. she did it by herself. I, I wanted Jay-Z too. to. And like when she played the Kanye song, I was like, there's no way, right? No, but, if she was going to end it with Umbrella, I could have seen her come, Drake come out or yeah. started out with What's My Name and like Drake comes out or end it with Umbrella. And if Jay-Z came out, it would have brought the house down. He was but, there. But they both were there. But it was cool to see, you know, her get her moment. I thought it was really good. And she's got twice as many songs, like like Kay said. She could have gone twice as long. But I love the fact that she did nothing but hits. And she kept it moving. Yeah. Fit as many of them in as you can within the, you know, the performance. And that's what they did. I loved it. Thank you, Billy. Thank Appreciate you, you. Tomorrow on the program, Trisha Four going to be joining us. Looking forward to talking to her for the first time during the season. Coach Henry. John Puglisi, Tom Hart moving to Tuesdays now uh, because we are, have a busy Monday here. All right, that'll do it for the show. Thank you to uh, Kay and to Nick and to Sean and to Billy, of course, OB. We'll see you manana.